Friday, July the 28th, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Got to give a, a special happy anniversary shout out. Five-year anniversary for me and my significant other, Stephanie. Thank you for being so amazing and putting up with me for five years. I absolutely love you. And she's been with me through 400 episodes of That's What G Said. Yes, this is episode 400. We are going to get into the AFC West preview teams like the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Broncos, and the Raiders with Eric. Then we're going to get into Friday Saratoga best bets, Friday Del Mar best bets, Saturday Saratoga best bets, Saturday Del Mar best bets, Saturday Louisiana Downs best bets, and then we finish up with wrestling with Chad Cooper on this action-packed episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Now let's get right on into our first segment. We're going to talk AFC West team by team with Eric from Etoff 21 Sports. It's time to finish up our AFC team previews. We are up to the AFC West, so we're going to talk about the returning Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. They are minus 180 ish in that range to win uh, their division this division eric as eric from etoff 21 sports joins me as he has joined me for all of our division previews so far uh, if you want to go through the archives we've talked about the afc east the afc north the afc south now it's time for the afc west before we move into the nfc this is pretty much the most straightforward of the divisions that we've had eric as far as your odds are concerned it's just like First choice, second choice, third choice, longest shot, pretty clearly in in those tiers. Like the Chiefs are hands down your heavy favorite at minus 180. You have the Chargers as your second choice in the plus 300, plus 350 range. The Broncos, the third choice in the plus 600 range. And then the long shot in the field, the Raiders, they're way up in the plus 1400 or so range as we look at DRF Sportsbook. It is pretty straightforward, but I do. I am coming out swinging here with. A oh sure, of sure. From a but from a um, a pricing standpoint, in that's... terms of an odd standpoint, this one is pretty clear cut. Who the sports book? Who's who? The money's coming in on. Obviously, the money's coming in on the Chiefs with them being minus one eighty two. Speaking of the Chiefs, when I started doing my research, did you know that the Chiefs were the first team to incorporate the whole analytics thing? Really? I, that is something I. So this I, was what, like 15 years ago, or like when are we talking? You know, like in that something in that range. Started, 15 years, like when Reed first got there, when they had, um, when Alex Smith kind of had that little breakout year out of nowhere. Yeah, sure, that makes sense now. Looking that back on it, right? Analytics with Andy Reed. Uh, obviously. Okay, so maybe- let's start. Let's start there. We can start with the Chiefs, and we'll go through team by team. They're the favorite AFC West over under 11 and a half or so for their, their win yep. win total. And they're the returning champs. So go on them for a, a bit, Eric. Matt Nagy's coming in to be the OC, but let's not kid ourselves. This is an Andy Reid offense. He's the one calling the plays. Mahomes is Mahomes, but they are adding two offensive line, offensive tackles to the mix. So the offensive tackles they're adding aren't as good as what was there last year. So the interior is going to be a lot better. It's going to be the stronger part of the offensive line. Still a good unit, but it's not going to be as good as last year's. Running back room, obviously Pacheco is taking over, but news broke that he got a shoulder injury. Now, I don't know how you feel, and you know I'll let you speak to it after I give my two cents. 
if a running back has a shoulder injury, I'm immediately out on them just because yep. of the hits and the wear with the way that they're going to have to adjust their body to try to take the hit. You see it, right? You watch their body language when they start to run, especially this early in the year. I don't like that. Like I wouldn't want to invest in him in fantasy in any way, shape or form. No. So I'm going to be out on Pacheco. I was actually looking forward to him. McKinnon is still here. will be a factor in the passing game. He had that crazy run last year, catching, catching touchdown passes. Oh, he had like a four week span where he was just money. Obviously, Edward Dallaire is Edward Dallaire. And let's be honest, it was a bad draft pick. Never should have made the draft pick in the first place. He's on the last year of his rookie deal. I'd be surprised if he would still be here next year. I think he's gone. Now, the worry to me, though, is the passing game. Yeah. Kelsey is Kelsey. He's 23% target share last season. And if he takes a step backwards, who's going to emerge as number one? Because Kelsey, he's 34 right now. What he's doing at his age is insane. Eventually, age is going to catch up to him, and he's not going to be able to do what he does on the field. So last year, they had – I don't even think they they are, like, number one type wide receivers, but last year they had Juju Smith-Schuster and Nicole Hardman, who are a, a little bit more proven than the guys they have this year after Kelsey. They have 135 abandoned targets between those two and, and just what you're getting at. Now we're we're talking about Kadarius Tony, Sky he got Moore. Hurt. He got he hurt. Already hurt. Sky Moore and Marquez Valdez Scantling. There's no number one. And even yeah. if we okay, Kelsey's your number one receiver. This feels like a a few number three dart throws that you're hoping for one of these guys to hit. I I, I agree with you. And if, if Kelsey isn't that number like it slots everything down. Like you need Kelsey to be really, really good because he's going to have to try to get open on doubles all the time. Like, I just don't think defenses are going, they're going to make these guys beat them. And right. They, and, they prove yeah. it. and they brought in the kid rice, the rookie from SMU who has, who's good, but rookie wide receivers in Andy Reid's system historically have not proven pr- performed. Well, you have to go all the way back to Macklin was the first rookie wide receiver to truly have a good year. Isn't he more of like I, a big play guy too? Yeah. I and don't so isn't that like Sky Moore's role yeah. already? Like they're sort of like the same type of player. I I would expect more from – like of these guys, if you were going to take a swing in a fantasy league, who who would you yeah, – I have, have no other? idea. Just yeah. because Tony's going to be their number one, but there's one thing Tony has shown us. He can't stay He healthy. always gets hurt. Yeah. And he's so, fine. If, like if you knew you, he was going to be on the field and just get eight – targets well yeah he'd be he'd be great but you can't count on that sky Moore, we have no idea valdez scantling we don't know i and just one yeah thing it's hard about, man one thing about tony he tore he it got so bad with his injuries and the giants just not thinking he wanted to play the giants basically sold him for pennies on the dollar pennies on the dollar just to get him out of there and think how bad their wide receiver room was at the end of the year so I know he's going to be the number one, and I know Mahomes is Mahomes, but that's a pretty big worry point. Also, another big worry point is there's no Frank Clark. Frank Clark is gone. So who's going to play next to Chris Jones if Chris Jones is there? Chris Jones right now currently is at camp because he's upset with his contract situation. Yeah, so you and got Clark's gone, yeah. and and Jones is, is doing the I'm not sure if I'm going to play thing well with the money being distributed i don't under, like they're gonna have to come up with like some creative thing in order to pay this guy his money and i don't know how they're gonna be able 
I mean, I'm sure that they're obviously going to be able to do it, but I don't know exactly how they are going to be able, if that makes sense. Like, how are they going to come up with the finances to cover Mahomes, Kelsey, the offensive lineman that they have, and Jones? You know where they've gotten and and where they've gotten lucky, and the reason why they won last year, and the reason why they've been good is because they've drafted six defensive players in the first two rounds since 2020. And a lot of those guys helped them last year towards the end of the year, right? They produced in big games. So that's, that's not going to be forever because those guys are going to start to need to get paid soon and you have to extend them. So they don't have a long window, but they did, they did get lucky in in where they, they've been hitting on some guys, but the the Greek guy, George Karloff. Yeah. They need him to take a step forward. Yep. Because with no Clark there and Jones, hypothetically Jones plays, if he can't create pressure when the offensive line isn't even focusing on him, they're going to be able to double Jones. So now the secondary, in my eyes, I think the secondary isn't that good, but because the pressure created Chiefs were fifth in blitz rate last year. So yeah, I really they were they were second in, in sacks in the whole league. They they were quietly really good. I don't think a lot of people would have thought that when they talked about the Chiefs until you know you looked into it. Like you said, it was because they had two guys right yeah. on the opposite sides. You and then it opens it up for a third guy like a Karloftis there to get in the mix. But now without that second and possibly even Jones, see I don't. I, you know, the number, like their win total of 11 and a half is high. And every time we talk about a team like the Chiefs, like you and I are most, we're never going to be backing the Chiefs in a situation like this to win the division and very rarely to like go over their total at a high number because that's just like, a, they're a really popular team who's probably always going to be overvalued. Do I think they're going to be a team that is like a, has a losing record? No, but I go through some of the things, Eric, that concern me. You just pointed it out, okay? We talked about the wide receivers. Kelsey's getting a little bit older, and then there's zero depth in the wide receiver room. Like, we have absolutely no idea if any of these guys can really slot in as, like, a number one wide receiver, number two wide receiver, number three. No clue what to do there. On the defensive side, their defensive front should should be weaker or at least a lot of question marks where they need guys to badly step up and fill a hole. So I'm not counting on them being as good or better there or with the wide receivers. Then on the offensive line, they lost two tackles in free agency. So adding two tackles on any offensive line or any two new pieces to an offensive line is always a little bit tricky. You bring two new guys in, that's going to mess with your chemistry and mess with your flow a little bit. And, you know, that's on top of their offensive coordinator, Biennemi, who... Say what anyone wants to say about what was he doing. He was there for a while. And so everybody was sort of comfortable in their roles, right? right. Whether or not he got along with Mahomes or Reed or what, what was it? He was the guy in that spot for a long time making the decisions. I don't know if it's going to be better or worse, but it's just different. That's four or five things about a team that's the favorite that we already think you know, I don't know if they're going to be as good in that spot as they were last year. I don't know if they're going to be as good there if they were last year. And if you have to say that about a bunch of different places overall, that that's my concern with them with a huge number. Like they're over under and win. They got to get to 12 for you to win. Yeah. And this is, this is my take on them. 
they're relying on a lot of uh, young, unproven players. Yep. The older guys, I mean, what, this team made it all the way to the last game last year, okay? The year before, they um, they lost in the AFC Championship game to the Bengals. The year before that, did they did they win it that year or not? Or did they lose to the Bucs? They lost to the Bucs. Bucs, Bucs. And, the, and then the year before that, they beat the 49ers. This team has a ton of miles on them. Five They're consecutive like, AFC championship games yeah. that they've played. They they've played in three of the last four Super Bowls, one, two. And you're telling me everyone in the AFC is better. I think the yep. Broncos are sneaky good. I think the yeah. Chargers are going to be better. I Overall, think the Raiders are going to be. The, the whole division better. is better than they should all be better than they were last year. All of them. And I really feel that with the other teams getting better in the, in, in the AFC that are in the other conferences we talked about, I feel there's going to be a log jam at the playoff time. So if I think another team's going to win this division, and I think there's going to be a lot of teams playing for the, to the playoffs, to me, the bet is the Chiefs not to make the playoffs at plus 360. And that's what I did just because I'm worried about the offensive line. I'm worried about the defensive line. No Clark there. Can the young guys make this stuff up to get to the quarterback? I'm worried if they can't get to the quarterback by blitzing, are the holes in the secondary, which I feel they have, going to be exploited? I'm worried about Travis Kelsey taking a step backwards. So I bet I bet the Chiefs not to make the playoffs at plus 360. Yeah, and that's a good bet from a value-based standpoint. I'm not – I can't really – get there myself vi- like visually and just looking at their schedule but from a gambling standpoint that's the smartest way to play it if if you think there are going to be a lot of teams in that same range in the AFC they could be a 10 win team and miss the playoffs you know they yeah. could be, be if there's a bunch of other 10 win teams in the the mix now a couple positive things to mention Mahomes now the first player in NFL history to win multiple regular season MVP awards and Super Bowl MVP awards in 5 years only Tom Brady and Joe Montana have won MVPs and Super Bowls from multiple place, multiple times. Only Brady and Montana in their whole career, he's done it five. Uh, he's done it in a five-year span. First player in history to lead the league in passing yards, passing touchdowns, win the MVP, and win the Super Bowl MVP in the same year. That's pretty good. Only three other players have ever done all of those things in their career. Brady, Manning, and Warner. Mahomes did it all all in the same year. It's amazing yeah. because like I said, as, as gamblers, we, we're very rarely going to ever be able to, to back Mahomes. So it's hard because you and I don't really ever get to talk about him probably and give him the respect that, that he deserves because a lot of our shows are gambling shows, right? Trying to play against the overvalued teams, but man, just watching him and seeing those numbers and what they do. Like he's, he's never played a true road playoff game. They've hosted all five AFC championship games that he's been in. The only road games he's ever played in the playoffs are in the Super Bowl. (laughs) Which just some insane stuff. How about this one? 10 plus wins, five consecutive seasons tied for the third longest streak. Only players since 1950 with a better than 500 winning percentage in games when his team has trailed by 10, including the playoffs. In games when his team has allowed 28 or more points, Mahomes is 17 and 13. So even when his defense just gives up 30, he's still gonna he's still gonna find a way to get you back. Um, yeah, last last year they led the league in points, total yards, passing yards. 
but we talked about a lot of their their concerns, a lot of reasons to believe that maybe they just will be a, a little less on this unit. Maybe last year, this unit, they were like a B plus, and this year they might be like a B minus or C plus. And if that happens in four or five spots, well, all of a sudden, that's a couple of wins. And that puts you right where Eric is saying, in the middle of a log jam in the AFC with a bunch of teams that are probably a little bit better and Kansas City is coming back to the world. You also put them in a, a situation where a Kelsey injury, a Mahomes injury, one offensive lineman, they just don't have that margin for error anymore now. As uh, we take a look now, Eric, at the Kansas City schedule. So what's kind of crazy about their schedule too, two Thursday games, three Monday games, and they go to Germany in week nine. This is a weird schedule. That's six of your games that are just not normal. Like uh, not on the normal rotation, the normal flow of what you do on your week for a Sunday game to prepare. And they have rematches with the Jags, who was their first playoff opponent. The Bengals, who was their second playoff opponent. The Eagles, who they played in the Super Bowl. And the Bills, who have been like their big rival over the last couple years. Those are yeah. all four games that teams could have a chip on their shoulder and want to beat them. I mean, it's – but we saw today a lot of stuff can change. Absolutely. We don't know Quickly. what's going on. There's three big injuries today. It looks like Ramsey's out for the year. Burrow, just a calf. Wilson from the Jets got hurt too. Um, but there are like – like obviously a heavy primetime schedule. And that, playing that many primetime games, that kind of affects the rhythm, and that could be another thing too. I'm always looking for the consistency. Like we said, yeah. anything that messes up your your rotation, your scheme, your rhythm, the, the these guys are creatures of habit. You get used to doing the same thing, waking up the same time, getting here at the same time, and when that messes up, you're just off. You're not prepared the same way you are normally. You're not you you haven't gotten up and eaten your same meal, done your same pregame workout. Like everything's a little bit different, and they've got a couple stretches that won't be easy. Uh, week four. New York, you know, you and I aren't that high on the Jets, but that's a game on the road on Sunday night. Then the next week, they go at Minnesota. The following week, they got a short week. They come home and they play Denver, who you're talking about you think is going to be better. Then they play the Chargers. Then they go at Denver. So they play Denver twice in a three-week stretch. At Denver is always tough. And then you play a game in Miami that was actually a home game for you or against Miami that was supposed to be a home game for you. And now you got to go to Germany. So instead of having a game at home, you got to still travel halfway across the world, all the way across the world for a game in Germany. Then you get your bye. following your bye, You got Monday night against the Eagles who are going to be ramped up to try to get some revenge on you. Then you got back to back road games, the Raiders and green Bay. And then you got Buffalo coming to town. Like, it's just not easy, right? There's not yeah. like three, there's not stretches where you're like, oh, there's three wins in a row for them on yeah. paper, at least. Yeah, that's another reason why I think they're going to struggle to make the playoffs. I think everyone's going to be up to play them too. Um, Absolutely. So what happens. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely under their total. That like Their total at 11 and a half is a massive number. That is 12. They need to win 12 games for you to hit this. I think they, I've got them at 10 to 11. And that's exactly why Eric is trying to say maybe a smart play for them is to not make the playoffs because if we have a bunch of teams 
that we think could be at like nine, 10 or 11. Well, maybe you just sort of, you roll the dice and you hope that their margin for error isn't there anymore, you know? And we've given you plenty of reason to to believe anything else you want to mention about the chiefs. Uh, no, let's move to the chargers. Second team in the AFC West. They're over under nine and a half for the chargers. They make a couple really key acquisitions. And one of them is offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. Cause I think Eric, the last couple of years, one of the problems with Brandon Staley is I do think he's a good coach. I think he's gotten a little bit inside his own head is, is trying to be the head coach of this team and the decision-making. And a lot of it is because man, you know, this as a gambler, Eric, and I do too, as someone who gambles a lot, who has to be disciplined when you gamble a lot, it is hard to stay disciplined when you're going through a bad stretch and when you're making the right decision, but you keep losing, right? That's hard. It's hard to remain faithful to the analytics or to whatever your, your routine is when you, you, your routine, you feel like your routine's letting you down, right? Yeah. You know, you have a week of like, I didn't bet the bad number. The number moved a half point. I didn't bet it, but damn, I would have hit that game anyways. Or, you know, you have these things continue to happen. You were on the wrong side and you get frustrated. And as gamblers, you got to have a night where you just look at yourself and you say, you know what? I trust what I'm doing. It's going to flip back the other way. I sort of felt that with Brandon Staley. I think the last couple of years where like he was making these decisions and a lot of time he was making the right call on like the fourth downs or like just being aggressive, but they didn't yeah. work. And then, yep. It, and then he starts hearing about it in the media and it, it starts weighing on him. And then there were a couple times where he like did the, the flip opposite of what he would have done. I just, yeah. I like Kellen Moore coming in here. I think that's going to take a little pressure off him overall. Someone who's just a good offensive coordinator, who's been creative and I, and he's done a good job with Dallas. I think he will be able to work with Herbert. They'll be able to unleash Herbert a little bit, let him throw the ball down the field a bit more. I, I think, that's going to be a big part of bringing in more, taking some pressure off Staley. I mean, this team, they were 6-6 six and six last year. They won four in a row. They made the playoffs. They were up 27-0 in the second quarter, and they lose the game. First yeah. team in the NFL to lead by 25 or more in the playoffs and lose. But they signed Herbert, five years, $262 million. He set an NFL record, 102 touchdowns in his first three years, 287 and a half passing yards per game. That is second all-time in history, only behind Patrick Mahomes. But for him now, got to start winning games, right? Got to start getting some big victories now that they have paid you because you won't have very many years where your your roster might still be this good. They still have a damn good roster. If they're healthy, they've got defensive playmakers. They've got some legitimate talent at wide receiver, Eric. They actually had six players last year with 500 plus receiving yards. They were tied for the most players ever in a single season on one team to have 500 plus receiving yards. And the only one of those guys is gone is Carter. And they replaced him with Quentin Johnson, the first round draft pick from TCU who could possibly be a stud. There were only four games last year where both Allen and Williams, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams played 50 plus percent of the offensive snaps. In those games, they were 4-0. So I looked at it. I, I hopped on pro football reference. I started playing around some stuff. RB is, you mentioned throwing the ball downfield, and Moore's passing game are getting four less targets per game, three less receptions per game, and 25 yards less 
per game. So that being said, I'm fading Eckler. I and just we and just them. everything that's been happening with the running backs. Yeah. All of the discussions. Of, yeah. I just kind of feel like if he's not getting the passing game stuff, what's his value? Uh, I'll be looking to take once they post his receiving yards, I'll be looking to take them. They aren't posted yet. Wide receiver room. I look, I know Keenan Allen's 33, but he led them in targets per game. He missed a couple of games last year. He's entering the final game of final year of his contract. M- Going to be money motivated. This is going to be last, last time to actually kind of get that last contract. So I think he's still going to be their alpha and he's going to lead them in targets. So I think he's going to be a good guy. And he's that guy. He's always in the top 15. Yep. Like always in the top 15. Last year, he would have been top 10 if he didn't get hurt. You have Williams on the outside. Look, I've always been a Mike Williams guy since his days at Clemson, but he can't stay healthy. I think the offense is going to be more explosive. I think looking at the beginning of the year, we're going to start to play their over, starting to play their overs. In terms of their offensive line, the million-dollar question is, can they stay healthy? When Slater only played three games last season, and he graded out insanely well when he played. But with him getting hurt, that forced Saylor to shift the tackle where he graded out not not nearly as good. If Slater can stay healthy, that's going to allow everyone to play their natural position. And you got Lindsay at center, one of the best ones in the game. And Zion Johnson, who they drafted last year in his rookie year, looked good. I think if they can stay healthy, this is going to be good. You mentioned Jordan you mentioned, excuse me, Quinton Johnston. I'm going to be honest. I really wasn't that high on him. I thought they could have gone a different route, but they went with him. I think he is a little handsy with the with the ball when he catches it. I'm not, I think they could have used a better pick there, but they do have another weapon for Herbert. Yep. Defensively, the same as the offense. Can they stay healthy? Yeah, if I were that's, to tell you last year that they were going to finish 15th in sacks and they had Mac and Bosa, you would have called me crazy. But because Bosa missed so much time and there was only Mac there, they only were 15th in sacks. They were the 28th biggest... in yards allowed, 28th against the run. Um, they were, you know, Kendricks they bring in. That should help them stop the run. Bosa played in only five games. He's played seven years and only three times has he played 12 games or more in those yeah. seven years. He just got to stay healthy, man. If, like you said, if him and Mac are out there and now you have a guy like Kendricks, that helps a ton. If they're not out there, what's it gonna what what are they gonna be? Jackson struggled last year in the secondary and then and he got he hurt. hurt. And Darwin James, too, they're gonna play in the box more. I, that, from what I've read, they're gonna look to play James more in the box more to help against the run. He's always hurt. I mean, this team is stacked with talent. It's just I don't know if their training staff needs to get fired, but they're yeah, not that there's good. Something I know. It's it's some there's some reason why they just never are all healthy. Chargers schedule as we dive into their schedule, Eric. They have how about this? Six primetime night games and an early bye. Uh, they have games at primetime against Dallas on a Monday night. They play the Bears on Sunday night football. They play at the Jets on Monday night. They play Baltimore on a Sunday night. They play Thursday night football against the Raiders at Vegas. They play the Bills on Saturday, a couple days before Christmas at five, uh, 8 o'clock. So they have a lot of these primetime games. I don't love an early buy in this elongated schedule either. That is that is a knock, I'd say, on their schedule. Because in week they, they have their buy in week five. Then you got still the 13, 12 more weeks after that to get bumps and bruises before the playoffs start. But they do have 
I think their schedule just overall is is balanced pretty well. Like I I think they're right there. Like I have them right next to even even slightly more than the Chiefs because I like their schedule. You just it's so hard to trust this team overall because of their injuries. Like if you tell me this team is going to be healthy for most of the season, I think they win 11 or 12 games. But yeah. if they're not, that's the difference between 11 or 12 and 9. And who knows like how can I word this? I felt at that game against the uh, Jaguars, they played that game not to lose instead of playing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like they maybe. started getting tight. And I, as much yeah. as the Jags won, that was just like quicksand stuff. They started making some stupid decisions. They weren't going, get, like going aggressively. Like it was just that perfect storm of events. I, like, so I'm not maybe, really bothered by that. Yeah. Maybe we'll see. You know what I mean? Like maybe we'll see more look to be a little bit more aggressive. I I'll yeah. be honest. Like, I think for them, the main thing is health. When you look at their roster top to bottom with the players they have, it it's it's an absolute loaded roster. But the issue is the health. Always with them. Just health. They get in these games where and they're they're tight and it always seems like down the stretch they make a wrong move. Now you've got the franchise quarterback. Now you've got a really talented roster. There's just no more excuses when you have weapons like this and when you have talent. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I like this team, but again, I just don't know what, what kind of like, how much can we trust them is really all I come down to when, when trying to find out how to wager on this team, like how much can I trust them? Like, do would you be willing to play them in the division at plus three, three thirty where they are? No, you need more than that for them. Yeah. I need a little what about, bit what about their win total at nine and a half? Would you play that in an over? I have them right around 10, 11. So, I mean, I definitely lean to the over. I'd I'd be more likely to play their win total than I would, I think, for them to win the division. I think I think it's a little safer overall. Um, as we yeah, we look at the the Chargers, finishing up with them. Anything else you want to mention on the Chargers? Um, I mean, I don't know, like I mean, they're right at twenty two to twenty eight. Twenty eight to twenty two, depending on the book, to one. I mean, I think that's worth a small fielder just sure. because of the amount, amount maybe, um, you know, looking at their schedule, they do. That's another one team. where if they get there, yeah, you feel good about them. Like if they're in the playoffs with a lot of their, their roster, you feel like they'll have a puncher's chance. Yeah. So but getting there is sort of the hard part with them. Exactly. And they're this, they're that team as talented as hell that always underachieves. Up next, it's the Denver Broncos. They are plus 600 in that range to win the AFC West. Sean Payton comes in. And last year, they were run by one of the worst head coaches and in one of the most embarrassing, honestly, situations I can remember. Two of the last, probably the two most embarrassing that I can remember. Actually, I say two, three. We had... Last year with the Broncos, we had the Colts with Jeff Saturday and we had Urban Meyer with the Jags just recently where we were watching these teams like they're not prepared. They don't have scheme. They've got people here that have no idea what they're doing. And I have talked about this with you for years, Eric. Like I'm not even a Sean Payton guy overall. I think he's been a little overrated as a head coach, uh, truly. Like he's had a lot of very, very good teams and they've only won one almost anybody is going to be a massive upgrade over what they had last year. Like almost anybody. And this team has 
talent. They have offensive weapons. Sutton, Judy, Hamler, Callaway, Tim Patrick's coming back. They drafted Mims from Oklahoma. Tight end Dolchis had five-plus targets in six games and then uh, at least eight targets in four games last year. Peyton made the playoffs in his in nine of 15 years with the Saints. He took a three-win team and made them a 10-win team in his first year. He could honestly do something like that here I, because they were in so many games last year that they lost because of execution, not able to get plays in down the stretch, delay of games over and over. He's just not going to take Russell Wilson crap. Right. Like I just, the the dynamic is going to be a lot different with this guy who's a proven head coach versus Mm -hmm. someone else who had never been a head coach and was, was sort of on the map because of Aaron Rodgers. I I just think the dynamic is going to be so much different with this team. One thing I think is weird. Vance Joseph was their head coach in 2018. He got fired. Now he's back as their defensive coordinator. It's just bizarre when, when that happens. It doesn't happen all that much. But uh, he is back here. That was the first time that Russell Wilson ever had double-digit losses in his career. He had a career-low passer rating. Nothing about that year was successful. Honestly, nothing. They Russell Wilson is 10-19 and 19 in his last 29 games as a starter. But now, you bring in McGlinchey to add an offensive tackle. He's actually been better as a run blocker, but he will help the offensive line. Uh, Williams, he tore his ACL, LCL, PCL last week, but he's expected to be ready to go. And in 2021, as a rookie, you and I loved this guy. He had 1,200 scrimmage yards, 63 forced missed tackles, which was second in the NFL. When he's given touches, look at these numbers. In eight career games where he's had more than 15 touches from scrimmage, 102.1 scrimmage yards per game. In the other games, when he's given less than 15 touches, 52 scrimmage yards per game. He's one of those guys that he wears you down. You give him more and more touches and he breaks the defense. This pass rush should be better. They actually struggled last year. They only had the 36 sacks. That was 23rd in the league. The defense was really good to start. And then I think they got broken at the end of the year when their team was really bad. I think, Eric, we're only human. When you are playing well defensively and the offense keeps letting you down over and over and over, there's only so much you can get up for. Where you start like, you know, you start giving a little bit less effort. They the, they finished bad weeks 14 through 18, allowing 31 points per game. I just, I think there are three teams that could be pretty close to each other in this division as far as win totals. And it sort of sounds like you do too. I just don't think that these three teams, they're only separated in win totals by three wins. That just feels like a lot for on the division odds, right? Yeah, like... I look at this team like this. The big thing that stood out to me is there was that time, I think it was like week nine, where there was 18 points. That's That was their point differential. They're like week nine, they're one and eight, one and seven, and they just weren't winning those close games. We have to remember all those close games they lost. The game at Seattle, the game at home against the Colts. They were just inventing ways to, to win, and we just kind of look at the numbers with the points scored, with the efficiency of the offense, and you had Nate Hackett back there. I really think now since Sean Payton's there, since they kind of have someone that's going to control the room that has the respect, I think that's going to help. He took a year off of coaching, as we both know. I agree. I thought he should have won more than one Super Bowl in New Orleans. But I think the time away, he's going to recharge that battery. He's going to hold these players responsible. And I said it at the beginning, I'm investing in teams that, that, um, excuse me, 
that invest in their offensive line. That's kind of my thing this year. If you invest in your offensive line, I I want a piece of you. And you you talked about it. They brought in the guy from um, Mike McGlitchy, the guy from um, the 49ers. But then they also brought in Ben Powers, who's a very good left guard. Piece those guys with the with the pieces they have. This unit's going to be a lot better than they were last year. That's going to allow them to protect Russell Wilson. You mentioned Javante Williams. All these guys that are coming back from leg injuries, Brees Hall, Cam Akers last year, they all were on the pub list as soon as practice, as soon as these OTAs started, summer workouts. Guess where Javante Williams wasn't placed? He was not on the pub list. He's been practicing in pads and he looks good on the field. And Peyton has shown us that he takes these running backs, have it be Deuce McAllister, that are just random guys and they're just a big point of the offense. I think Javante Williams is going to have an absolute huge year. You mentioned the passing game. My struggle with the passing game is I don't know who's going to be the Michael Thomas. Who's going to be in the Michael Thomas role? Is it Judy? Is it um, what's the guy's name? Sutton. I personally think it's it's not going to be Sutton. I think Judy is a more refined run router. So well, and, I think you know Pat Patrick is like a really underrated receiver yeah. too. He he's back after hurt. I just I agree. I think from a real football standpoint, I like their options. I just don't know who it's going to be in like a fantasy standpoint to to yeah. dive into. We may have to wait and see, let it play out, and it might be like a week to week DFS thing the way we approach. And then their might, and they receivers. also have. KJ Hamler, who's a home run hitter. Yep. They drafted Marlon Mims from Oklahoma, who's a beast. Sutton, Judy, Hamler, Patrick. Callaway, Patrick, Mims. I mean, that's like six guys. And then Dolchich. That's not bad. Like, that's a lot that's of a, a legit, a legit one. They brought in P. Ryan. So if Williams isn't there at the beginning, he can come in and do his thing. I really like this team offensively. And I think with Payton, they're going to see it open up a little more. Defensively, they hired Van Joseph. Look, he still plays this goddamn wide nine technique, which I hate. But with them having, I mentioned his name before, Frank Clark, to pair with Randy Gregory, you got a good one-two combo up front. Then you bring in Purcell to sure up against the run. I absolutely love that. Granted, he's hurt right now. He's going to be bad. You also have DJ Jones, who's who can stop the run. Now they DB is they will have pressure on them to play man to man in the Van Joseph system, but you got Sutan, you got Morris, you got Mathis. They're all studs in coverage that I think is going to play to their strengths. And then you got Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons in the secondary defense is still loaded offense. They added weapons. You have a better coach than more people realize. And I just, we talk about this positive regression stuff. All the all the time you and I do. If there's a team that was due for a regression, was the Broncos? Because when you just sit back, I mean, all those close games, all, all those, those close, close games, all those games where, if at, well, at one point it was, if the Broncos just averaged what, 18 points a game, they would have been a playoff team. You know, yeah. that, that late into the year, it. I don't know if all of those things can happen at the same time. But when we're just talking about gambling, like from a value standpoint. I mean, they're the team that you bet that you have to bet. If you're going to bet this division from a betting standpoint, like it has to be them at plus 600 because even if you only think they're like a nine win team and you think Kansas City is like an 11 win team, that's not the difference between minus 180 and plus 600. 
Yeah. That's just not. I mean, like, I know what I did with them is this. I'm really high on this team. I took them over eight and a half wins. Yeah, that's I can see that. I and took that's, them that's... to win the West at plus 700. Yep. And then I actually put a little bit on the Super Bowl at 50 to one. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, like, my thing, like, I, like, I can't. I, you know how much I value the offensive line. And I really think that there was teams that went out and addressed it and made their front a lot better. And those are the teams I want a piece of this year. And I'm seeing what the Broncos did with the weapons they brought in on the defensive line in Clark and the offensive weapons that they have with Javante getting healthy. You bring in Mims, Patrick getting healthy, Hamler getting healthy. I just, I think this team is going to be very under the radar and Denver is really a tough place to play because A, you have the altitude and it's so loud there. I I like the Broncos a lot this year. I'm 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 all in on the Denver Broncos, and I never thought this time last year I would be saying that. Riding the Bronco train. I have them in the nine-ish plus range, like nine to ten. Let's see through their schedule. Open up two home games. So it could be could and should. Like has to be two and oh. Home yep. home for Raiders, home for Washington. Like, gotta start two and oh there in a competitive AFC following that you go at Miami at Chicago. I mean, those are winnable games. Like even if you lose one or two of those games, those are winnable games. You got a home game against the jets. So you've got five Sunday games to start the year. You got to be like three, you got to have three wins out of that stretch three and two, at least right there in your first five. Cause then you play KC twice in a three week stretch. You know, can you split with KC? And then all of a sudden you get to the bye. Do you have five wins? Then you're in. Then you're in fine shape after the buy. You figure that Peyton will be able to look at things, figure some things out, make some adjustments for the second half of the season. You come out of the buy at Buffalo. That'll be a tough game. You got a Sunday night game against Minnesota, Cleveland at home. Like Minnesota, Cleveland at home, both winnable. At Houston, very winnable. At Chargers, at Detroit, those are road games, but. I don't think they're games that you can't be competitive in. So the schedule, I don't think, is awful for them. And I would lean to play Denver on their over win total. And if you're going to play someone in this in this division, to me, this is the the value here at at you know plus six hundred. Eric got plus seven hundred. Um, playing this a little earlier. He's on the rust bus this year, folks. And I hate Eric. It. I, Eric I, I, is I driving the rust bus. There's only one man that's showing up at Russell Wilson's birthday party this year. Uh, dude, it's if, I'll, if, I'll tell you what. If he gets me a 50 to 1, I will, I will cater. Two one sports. That's his guy this year. Oh, my uh, God. Russell so the man. muscle. Let's move to the Raiders. What, what was that thing like? Broncos country. Let's ride. Bro- yeah, Broncos country. Let's ride. That was so brutal. Raiders over under six and a half. Josh McDaniels, their head coach, loses to Jeff Saturday last year, coming in off of TV. He had no coaching experience uh, at all. That was one of those things that I'll just never be able to get over. This team should be just better, though. You know, you have Jimmy G, who knows McDaniels from New England. Jimmy G was 38 and 17 as a starter. Last year, he went 7 and 3 as a starter, 16 touchdown passes, four interceptions. Jimmy G also has four playoff wins, but. He has missed 30 regular season games over the last five years, including the last five games of the season last year and the last three playoff games. So his last eight games, he hasn't played. They do add Jacoby Myers. Now all of a sudden, you've got Adams, Myers, Renfro. Sort of a nice one, two, three of wide receivers. 
it's not the offense that we're worried about. You know, and, and Myers comes in setting career highs of 83 catches, 860 yards, uh, 700 plus receiving three years in a row. And he's worked with McDaniels. The offense was 12th in total in scoring offense last year. It was the defense. They were 26th in points allowed back-to-back years. Crosby was the only player with more than five sacks, so they really need to do a better job of getting to the quarterback. Chandler Jones only had four and a half sacks and three tackles for loss. That was the lowest totals he's had in a season when he's played at least six games since 2014. Which version do you get? And then they got the draft pick Wilson out of Texas Tech. He led the Big 12 last year with 50 quarterback pressures, and he had five games with at least two tackles for loss, leading the conference in tackles for loss over the last two seasons. But they have a kind of difficult schedule. They open up with back-to-back road games, and they open up with three of the first four on the road. They've got five primetime night games. The Raiders do. And they've got three Monday night football games. They love having that stadium on Monday night football. They do come off a year where Adams set a single-season Raiders record, 1,500 yards last year, also led the league with 14 touchdown catches. What's going to happen with Josh Jacobs coming off of his big year? They gave him a franchise tag. They haven't been able to reach a long-term deal. And they have good offensive weapons. They brought in tight ends Mayer from Notre Dame, who was a stud, Hooper as well. So lots of options on the offensive side. Defensively, cornerback, they're really weak. They were going to be starting a couple players that have never been full-time starters. They did just sign Marcus Peters, who had a torn ACL back in 2021. Last year, he only had one interception, but the Raiders had a low of six interceptions and only two of them came from cornerbacks last year. They did uh, sign defensive end Rochelle also. Talk to us about the Raiders and their six and a half win total and the longest shot in this division. Switching at the quarterback is going to be interesting because Jimmy G doesn't throw the ball down the field as much as Carr does. I really feel that's going to affect the big play of the offense, especially with Adams, because Carr does chuck it down. Adams will be getting some big plays. So I think his production in terms of yards is going to take a hit. Josh Jacobs hasn't signed the franchise tag. He said he's, he was really honest. He goes, look, I'm going to be there for the first day that I'm going to leave. That's what he did. I think we're going to see – I think what we're going to start seeing with these running backs is we're just going to see a lot of incentive-based contracts. So I think we're going to see him sign because I think he's going to learn from, hey, I can't sit out the season like like Bell did. I'll have to take a little bit of a hit, but I'm going to want some incentives in my contract to see if I do perform, I get paid. He was huge for them last season. Um, and let's be honest, they did everything they could to run him out at the beginning of the year, but he was just playing so good, they couldn't take him off the field. In terms of the offensive line, the tackles were great last season, especially Milton, but the interior is bad. And they did nothing to address it. I don't get um, the Jacoby Myers signing because he is a slot wide receiver, but you're bringing him in to play the outside. I don't really understand that because you have Hunter Repro is going to be playing the inside. So now you have two slot receivers. You slide J- Jacoby over to the outside, that's and that's 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 not what he is. So I'm a, I don't really get that. Um, who's going to be the number two? to take pressure off Adams because we don't really know who's Jimmy G. Jimmy G has no relationship with Renthro, no relationship with Myers or Adams. Even or, I or mean, you know, we know Adams is the one, but he doesn't have a relationship with Adams. So like card card did, you know, we don't really know what's going to happen there. They brought in Austin Hooper, but let's face it. He looks like he's running on a treadmill at this, at this point of his career. 
They drafted my, Michael Mayer, Mayer. And let's face it, the one thing about the tight ends is this position is so hard. It always takes like a year or two. We usually don't see the big jump. The rookies in come in right away. And look at Kyle Pitts. Look at Kyle Pitts. The perfect granted he's been hurt, but he's a perfect example. He has, you have a lot to, to do as a tight end. Either. It's not like, just running your routes. You got to you're blocking. It's there's so much. It's very very difficult. So it's not it's not easy to just go right out there. And I the I don't know. Thing, I just the one thing the Raiders did though is you got Crosby, you got Jones, and they drafted Wilson from Texas Tech. Now you have three explosive pass pass rushers. That's going to make life very hard for the opposing quarterbacks. So I think this front line of the defense is going to be good. Maybe look to take some Wilson sack props to start the season because he's going to be a little overlooked at people looking at Crosby and Jones. With the coverage that the Raiders want to run, it just comes down that they just don't have the personnel to play it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like in terms of basketball, you're a pressing team and you have all slow bigs. Bigs. You know, it just doesn't make sense. Like So what they want to do defensively, in the back four, they just don't have it. The personnel um, there to run that scheme. With those three guys in front, I mean, they can band-aid a lot of stuff, man. I, I'm a little just worried about going through their schedule. It's not always as easy as just going through and win-loss, win-loss. But, you know, they open up on the road. I think they lose their first two. Like, at Denver, we're talking about we think it's going to be better. And then they go at Buffalo, week two. I like Pittsburgh a lot. Like, week three, they got to win that game. They have to win home against Pittsburgh because if you don't, then you're on the road against the Chargers. Like then all of a sudden you might be 0-4 to start. And and that's when things start going wrong. And then you start hearing is like McDaniels, or should they fire him? Should they have brought him back? Do they need to make a quarterback change? Is Jimmy G was only a San Francisco? No, you start hearing all those negative things. If you win two and you're two and two, you don't hear that. It I just don't know if they're gonna be able to get off to a good enough start to build momentum. With the way I see their schedule going, that's concerning because, you know, even post buy, you come back from the buy and you got you know Minnesota and the Chargers at home. Like, I don't know, you could lose both of those games at Kansas City again. <laughs> like I just I don't find all that many wins because I don't look around and find that many teams that I just think the Raiders are better than, uh, top to maybe. bottom. In spots throughout the year, am I going to play them? Yeah, when maybe you know it's a good week here and there, but right now I need to see a little bit from Jimmy G. I, I don't want to invest in anything for them positively season wide. If I was going to make a lean, I got them at six wins. Yeah. But I mean, the one thing is this is I talk about the figure and win total a lot. And that they, is, they, yeah, they had a lot of close ones last year. They have the best figure and win total there is. So yeah, they were in a lot of games and, and so that's, that's what I mean. I'm like, I want to like them more. I just have a hard time when I go through their schedule, like finding the wins on there. And again, it's not always that easy because right now we're looking at a schedule and in two weeks, three of these teams are going to have injuries and things will be different. And maybe they don't look as tough as they do now. I, I, I would lean under, I'm not going to bet it because that's a, it's a low number at six and a half. Um, so obviously seven there, but this will be more of a week-to-week team for me to play. I think one thing I'm going to look to to play maybe would be the under on Adams, just like season-wide receiving yards. He had such mm-hmm. a big number last year. He's going to be a year older, and we don't exactly know what his relationship's going to be like with 
and Jimmy G or whoever Jimmy else is playing quarterback the on the field. He's yeah, you're right. He's not, he's, he's always been a big scheme guy. That's sort of yeah. taken advantage of the really good scheme around him. So Eric, we finish up with the AFC West. Give us some of your strong plays for this division. You're riding the rust bus, baby. I'm riding the rust bus and I hate my life for it. Um, I got the Kansas City Chiefs not to make the playoffs. I'm going to be looking at Austin Eckler receiving props under as soon as they are posted. I'm also going to be looking at, um, uh, sorry, and I'm going to be betting the Broncos. I'm all in. Win total over to win the West and to win the Super Bowl. That's And the Chiefs not to make the playoffs, as I said. Erica, what's going on on your podcast this weekend? Make sure to join me and Eric every Friday, 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern time for the winning ticket. We give out some baseball plays. We give out some look-ahead plays for the weekend. And then also we talk uh, about an NFL division each week. Give us some of your plugs. Um, We need to um, – we're going to be talking NASCAR. We're going to be talking CFL. And we're going to be talking fantasy football in terms of this week on the podcast. And then you're actually going to be on my stream on Tuesday. So, um, you know, we're going to be talking about the NFC West in that one. NFC West next week. We'll make our way into the NFC. Eric, buddy, thank you so much. We'll be giving you a follow out there on Twitter and on social media. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more to come on the podcast. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse And you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with, with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop. 
every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com better you want to spread your pony knowledge Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Getting set for more weekend racing. Let's talk some Saratoga for Friday. Let's dive into these daily racing form past performances for a couple best bets on the Friday card. Remember, you can get these past performances for free when you sign up for a DRF Bets account. Go to DRF Bets right now. Use the promo code WINNING, W-I-N-N-I-N-G. Deposit 250. They will match that. So all of a sudden, your 250 turns into 500. They give you a $10 free bet just for registering. And they give you those free pass performances. They'll give you 10 of them. So you'll get 10 cards, different race tracks that you can play. And then every time you bet another 50 bucks, you get credit for another formulator pass performance card, another track that you want to look at. So all throughout the summer, Del Mar, Saratoga, you're playing these big tracks. You know you're going to be looking most days. And you don't want to pay for your pass performances. Sign up now for DRF Bets and get those free pass performances. Let's look at some best bets for Friday. I'm going to go to races three, six, and eight. So this third race where we had maiden $7,500 claimers, they're going a mile on the inner turf. In this third race, I'm going to go to the number eight in here, Trope. So 15 to one on the morning line for this three-year-old filly. There's a lot of things I, I like about her. First off, she debuted at Colonial last year on August the 23rd. So we're talking about a filly who's been off for 11 months. Graham motion off of these types of layoffs. Very, very good. So let's look at Graham motion in these DRF past performances in the uh, the formulator. Off the plus 180 day layoff, fantastic. 43 for 191. That's 23% with a $2.82 ROI for your two bucks. So positive. Uh, just one for nine at Saratoga, but the win was at seven to one. So if he wins with one more and he's two for 10, he's going to have a positive ROI at Saratoga as well. Um, so born very capable of getting a horse ready to go off the bench. Now the race that trope comes out of was actually a pretty good race. 
he, she, this filly, she had a good start. She sat third. She kind of backed up to fifth. She was in the two path in the third flight. She moved up sort of into contention. And it was a good, re- it was a good field. G. Laurie, who was in that race, came back to finish third in the grade one Natalma next time out at Woodbine. The third place finisher, Katie, got lucky, came back to win their next start. Crushed a field at a, in a sloppy track over at Delaware. So I like the race that this one exits. I think she's going to be able to grow up a lot out of that race. This barn, very capable of getting the horses ready first time out of the box. They're awesome with horses making their second start as a maiden. Look at the work pattern. You've got 12 works to get this horse ready, consistent, prepared for this horse. You drop in class slightly to the high claiming tag. First time Lasix for Trope. Then let's look at the pedigree of Trope. The dam was unraced, but there is a nice pedigree here that the direct sibling include me out. Grade one winner, multiple graded stakes winner earned 950000 So class there on the menu. Another horse who won the debut and his stakes placed on the turf. While she didn't win on the grass, she finished third in her only turf start against stakes company. Check the label is a six-time winner on the turf. Earned 557000 That's a grade one winner on the grass. That's a four-time graded stakes winner for Graham Motion. Look at all the turf in this pedigree. And just look at the class in this pedigree, too. It's a strong pedigree. Now, when I'm looking for young horses, that this one just checks a lot of boxes for me. And her buyer speed figure is a little bit light, but that was last year as a two-year-old. This is like a year later. Visually, the race looked fine. She just was like she was in it, and then she tired, and she backed up. She's 15 to one. She's going to be a massive price. I like the number eight trope positive trainer off the bench, positive trainer, second start. You've got a horse that's getting Lasix that's dropping for the first time. A horse who actually showed some ability on the turf has a pedigree to be good going long on the turf comes out of a strong race. Lots of things that we like with trope. Let's flip the page to race number six at Saratoga on Saturday, the 28th. I like the number seven. In here, Astros. This guy was on the lead in a really slow race at Delaware. And then he he backed up inside to sit third. They were just crawling, though. He moved to the two-path in between. He moved inside again. And he was really battling in, be, in between horses. I'm not going to be surprised if this horse is either right on the lead or sitting close. And uh-oh, again, we're going to Grand Motion. Surprise, surprise. So we hope it's a big day for Motion with these two at least. Astros catches a field where there's just not much speed on paper at all. I'd I'd love to see Astros sitting like second or third, third career turf start, second time at this distance going this long. So fitness should be no issue. And like go through the field. Who's getting the lead in here? One's not really fast. Smart uncle hasn't shown much speed. Sacred rhyme has not shown much speed. Be well. Not shown much speed. Typhoon lagoon. Maybe. Maybe some like positional speed. Pilkington's a first-time starter. I think we're gonna get a horse like Astros to just be sitting in a really good spot. And it in these tis, uh, long distance turf marathon races, I want horses that are going to be in a, in a nice spot versus a horse who's going to be having to come from way way out of it. Let's move to race number eight as we take a look at the two Midnight Trouble eight to one on Midnight. Tr- Trouble. Now, Midnight Trouble will drop. We'll cut back. We'll go second start off a five plus month break. He was on a good 
track last time out. Three starts back on a sloppy track at Aqueduct. We can eliminate some of his recent races. Sloppy track doesn't really like it. He needed the race last time out. The race has already come back live with the runner-up Big Data coming back to win. And they've said that Big Data is going to go on and face Stakes Company next. He earned an 87 buyer in winning that race. He has speed, but he can sit off. The winner of that race, West Coast Cowboy, is grade three placed. Coffee with Chris, we saw in the Preakness. How great is Nate? Won the Long Branch, was third in the Pegasus, was sixth in the Haskell. Prince of Jericho was second in the Chick Lang. Just horses that are better than the group that he's facing and that have been f- than in tougher spots. I like the pattern for this coming in, dropping in class. He can sit close, turns back from a mile to seven furlongs. Lots to like about the number two, Midnight Trouble, who is eight to one on the morning line. Those are my three plays for Saratoga for Friday. Best of luck over at Saratoga on Friday. Don't forget about DRF bets, free past performances there, and the $250 de- deposit match bonus. Go to DRF Bets and use the promo code WINNING. Good luck. Friday, Del Mar. Let's take a look at the late first post at Friday, Del Mar. Remember, they start at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, 4 p.m. Pacific time. I'm going to look at races 3, 5, and 7. Give out a couple best bets for Friday at Del Mar. Best of luck. And remember, you can get free past performances with DRF Bets. Here's how you do so. Head on over to DRF Bets. Sign up and use the promo code WINNING. They give you a $10 free bet immediately. Then you deposit $250. They're going to give you a $250 deposit match bonus. All of a sudden, you've got $510 in your account. $250 plus $250 plus the $10 free bet. They also give you 10 free formulator cars. That's the style of past performances we are going to look at. And then every time you bet $50, you get another free formulator card. One individual card means one track. So the card that we're going to be looking at is Delmar for Friday. Sign up now with DRF Bets. We'll be reminding you about all the incredible promotions and sales that DRF has all through the summer with Delmar and with Saratoga. Let's head to race number three for my first play. Races three, five, and seven. And I'm going to go to the number three, Kingmeister, in a race where I don't think there's that much early speed, which will put him in a good spot. He might be the fastest horse in this field if they wanted to get aggressive, and he has no problem sitting just off the pace. I'd love to see him in that top flight because there's just not much speed. It's him, it's Seven Wonders, and it's 17 Black. I don't really know if Seven Wonders wants to be on the lead. I think he's better with the target. 17 Black, I'm not exactly sure how good he is. I feel like Kingmeister, who... Fits pretty well at this level. His last two races, if he just shows up with anything similar, in particular the June 9th, right? That's a race going long on the turf, sitting just off the pace. That's what we're looking for with the three. Kingmeister in race number three. Threes are wild on Friday at Del Mar as we move along to race number five. Uh, there were two horses in here, actually, I wanted to mention because I thought both of them were live if you're playing any sort of exotics. So... You rarely see when it just says brutal trip. Uh, that was the case with the five Panthera's fate who in the running lines, it just says brutal trip. Missed the break, was last, moved inside, was rank, wanted to go, was right up on the heels of arrival and just had no shot with that type of a trip. I mean, he's going to improve a ton with just any sort of a, a chance in here. The seven Andy, can you hear me? His damn one on the turf. You can take a look and see. And also has a sibling that won on the turf. So I think there's a little grass here. I was really disappointed with his last effort. 
because his debut was very good. And the race had come back strong. I think there's more than we saw last time out with Andy. Can you hear me? So lots of fives and sevens for me. If you're playing any early exotics, I'm going to hook those two up. And let's move to race number seven. Five furlongs on the turf. I'm going to go to Tony Ann, the number eight here. This is the daisy cutter. And we haven't seen Tony Ann a whole lot in the last few years. He raced in November. And prior to that, he hadn't raced since March of 2022. It doesn't concern me as much at the five furlong distance as the sure distances, especially with his her running style. She just wants to sit right behind the leaders and she can stalk and pounce going five furlongs. She's run well both times she ran five furlongs here at Del Mar. And looking at the way the race shapes up, I think she will work herself out a really nice trip. I like her class. I like her over this turf course. Tony Ann, a filly who's won at five and has stretched it out all the way to a mile and an eighth, which is very impressive. She has a nice family. Connections know how to win races at Del Mar, too. Tony and six to one on the morning line in race number seven. My three plays for Friday at Del Mar. We'll look for some value there and see if we can uh, build them in some other exotics. Don't forget about that promotion at DRF Bets. Use the promo code Winning, deposit two fifty, and you'll get that match deposit bonus. Free DRF Pass performances. They'll load you up with ten right away, and then every time you bet fifty, you get another credit for past performances. Good luck on Friday at. Del Mar. Let's take a look at Saturday at Saratoga, Saturday, July the 29th over at Saratoga. We're going to take a look at races 6, 8, 9, and 10. There are a couple stakes races on the card as we navigate our way through the Saturday card. Remember, you can get past performances for free with DRF Bets. All you have to do is go sign up for a DRF Bets account. Use the promo code WINNING. They'll give you 10 bucks right away for a free registration deposit. Then when you deposit 250 they will give you a matching bonus all the way up to 250. Plus, they'll give you 10 formulator cards to start. And then every time you bet another 50 bucks, boom, credit for a racing form card for one track. You won't have to pay for past performances anymore with DRF bets. Let's talk about Friday, see where we can make some money on the Friday card. Races six, nine, and 10 are the places I'm going to look the most. And the sixth race is a mile and a 16th on the turf course. It is a maiden special weight race. And I'm going to look at the number 12 in here to the outside. I thought the 12 raced pretty well last time out North and lady. You can take a look at her race actually on June the 17th. So she's the number six in the race that we are about to watch. Now, remember this is her second start overall. This is her first start on the turf and North and lady number six. Step slow, and right after the break, you can see she gets sort of bumped around. And so, not the best of beginnings for her, but she is able to settle into an okay spot. She kind of moves up here into fourth. She's about six lengths off or so as the splendid one just runs off. She's in the two path, and she ends up backing up a, a little more, even. She stays in that fourth position, but she's back to about eight to nine lengths off or so. And 
I like how she kind of looms up three wide within a length before fading. And we're going to see her. I thought she looked done and just keeps trying in this race. And that's what I like for from a horse who was making their first start on the turf. It was their first start going long. She's now going to add the blinkers. And in watching this race, to me, she feels like someone who the blinkers will really help give her a little bit more focus because she runs in spots here. Now she's in the two path and she's going to start to loom up on the outside kind of right into contention. Photon is the seven who's moving up, traveling really well. And North End Lady isn't traveling as well as Photon, but right here she's within striking range and then she's kind of all in. I thought the six was done and was going to back up. But watch how she just kind of keeps trying in between horses. And she still battles. I, I thought there's some fight here. And I like with the blinkers coming on, can that that just help her focus a little bit more? Like the two ran right by her, but she battles back and comes on almost back for third. Now adding the blinkers, second time on the turf. Let's take a look at North End Lady. She is number 12. She's a nice price on the morning line of 12 to 1. If we can get anything in like the 6 plus range, I actually think that would be okay value on her. I'm looking for like 8 to 1 plus on North End Lady. So following that, the Vanderbilt, the Alpha G Vanderbilt, is going to go as race number 8 at Saratoga. And somehow we... uh. We'll flip to race number eight, grade one event on Saturday. $350,000 up for grabs. This is just a race I want to take a quick look at because I, I'm not going to bet this race. I just don't know where you can find value um, on paper. It's really just a two-horse race. You have Elite Power, who's four to five, and you have Gunite, who's eight to five. And I just, I, I don't know how to play this race. I'm just going to steer clear of it. It starts the late pick five. I would pick one of those two and single or go against, I just, I'm not going to use the two of them, and I don't really have a strong opinion one way or the other. I always like making mention of the stakes races, but this isn't one that I'm going to be be betting a whole lot. Because, like, right next door in the ninth race, I can find a 12-to-1 shot that I like. In the number two, Volvi, who is a three-year-old filly who did some running in France, comes over to the U.S., tries a stakes race at Turfway, was only 7-to-2 that day, so got bet. Didn't fire on the synthetic. Following that, though, went to the turf at Churchill. Ran a really good third. Was inside. Was about five lengths off. Uh, sixth, seventh position. Had just nowhere to go in the third flight. Moved in between looking for room. And went down to the inside. Ended up a really good third. A freshening for this one. Also thought the eight candle would be worth using. Visually, she's not all that impressive, but I, I do think the extra real estate might might help her, even though she's been a little bit better going shorter. I do think this may ultimately be a little bit better for her. Third start off the bench, I'd give her a look. But the two is the play for me. Anything around 8-1, to one, I'm going to bet Bolvi, who is 12 on the morning line. And then in the Jim Dandy, not the biggest field in the world, we have Disarm, Forte, Hit Show, Saudi Crown, Angel of Empire. Honestly, any one of these horses could win the race. And I'm actually going to go to the co-longest shot in the field with Hit Show. I thought he just had a tough trip. He was kind of hard-ridden a lot in the Belmont. He was in between horses. He was four wide going into the turn, and he was up to third. He, when Archangelo was moving well, he looked like he was all in, but he, he really did dig in and fight. And now he cuts back. 
I think he could be sitting second behind Saudi crown and maybe fall into a really good spot. Sai is aboard, maybe get a little aggressive ride out of him, put him in the second spot right behind Saudi crown. What's Forte going to do with the blinkers? Is he going to be a lot more aggressive or is it just going to help him with focus? I think the blinkers will help him, but to me, hit show is a value in here. Saudi crown could take this field gate to wire. Nobody else is naturally as fast as him. So look at Saturday at Saratoga, July the 29th, Jim Dandy, the prep for the Travers. And all of these runners in the Jim Dandy are very live. We could see them all come back in the Travers. It wouldn't be a shock to see any one of them win this thing on Saturday. Head to DRF Bets to make all of your wagers. You can get those free pass performances. Also, the formulator style are the ones that we've been looking at. Good luck on Saturday, Jim Dandy Day over at Saratoga. Another weekend of racing ahead at Del Mar. It is called Pick 6 Weekend this weekend at Del Mar. On Saturday, there will be a single ticket guarantee. So Saturday's guarantee means anyone selecting a the bet as a single ticket winner gets the complete amount in the pot, say 500000 and then they get an additional check for Del Mar to raise the total earnings to a million. So you'll be guaranteed at a million if you're the only single winning ticket on Saturday, then on Sunday, it's a mandatory payout day at Del Mar. I'm going to dive into those daily racing form past performances in just a moment. We always like to remind you that you can get these past performances for free when you play along with DRF bets. So sign up right now with DRF bets. Use the promo code winning deposit 250 bucks. They'll give you a 250 match deposit bonus right away. And they'll give you 10 free formulator cards. So you can use those for Saratoga, Del Mar, any tracks that you want to play. Let's talk about the Saturday card out at Del Mar. The Bing Crosby is the feature. Field of 12, eight graded stakes winners, four grade one winners, last year's winner, and the horse that won two years ago. It's literally as good of a grade one race as you'll find. Let's go through the Saturday card at Del Mar. Let's start in race number two on the Del Mar card. I thought the number three in here was a horse who might be able to have a tactical advantage on this group. Even or even worse. They're just nobody that's as fast as this guy. Look around. Who's going with him? He's fast. The five furlong trip is also beneficial for him on the turf. And last year when he was going five furlongs on the turf at Del Mar, he couldn't get to the lead. He came down here and they tried five furlongs a couple times, but he wasn't able to get to the lead in those races. And so he just didn't give the type of account of, his, of himself that we know he can when he gets the lead. He's better now. He's in better form. And this field just does not have that many fast, fast horses. There are a lot of others that want to sit. The key comes down to the six, Unconquerable Keen. I think it's him and, and you know the and you've got Golden Ale who doesn't seem as fast. I think if even or even worse wants it, he goes and he gets a full furlong cutback right now. Eight to one on the morning line. Anything over five feels like fair value to me. Let's keep rolling on the Del Mar Saturday card. Where are we going next? Let's go to the seventh race. It's a mile and a 16th on the turf course. Maiden, these are high level maiden claimers. So we're at the maiden 62.5 level. I like the one, the flying Pharaoh. This is a guy who... Uh, a gal, she's a five-year-old mare. 
she has a lot of gaps in her career. You can see a couple races, time off, time off. And now she's going to put two starts together, which I really like. She she almost had a year off from June of 2022 to June of 2023 here. And she's faced a lot better in her races too. She's been at the maiden special weight ra- level, Keeneland at Gulfstream at Belmont Park. And now she goes second start off the bench. She'll be able to save ground from the inside. She got bumped right after the start. She got pushed back to last. She was about five lengths off on June the 17th. And she made an early wide move up to third. The top two had separated. She got a little tired and faded. It was exactly what you would have expected for a horse coming off the bench like that. And now she'll be able to save all the ground. Second start off the layoff. I like the number one, the Flying Pharaoh, quite a bit. It is a fun race, though. There are others in here I would include in some of your uh, exotics. Uh, Adeli is the horse to beat the nine. Uh, I think no doubt. Whirly Girly, sort of a fun price play at six to one. Could be the horse to catch in here. Nicely curved, could sit a close trip on the drop, and you get a, a little bit of a turn back for that one as well. So there's a look at race number seven. As we move to the grade two San Diego, that one's going to go as race number eight on Saturday. Defunded is the horse to beat, but when you have the presence of a horse like Brickyard Ride in here, he could really make the pace scenario different than what Defunded is used to because Brickyard Ride's the fastest in here. How far will he take him and what kind of shape will he get? But he's going to, to make this race look a little different because of his presence in here. The horse who I like is the one slow down Andy. I hope he'll just sit himself a nice trip like he did in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. He was fourth, you know, third, fourth, a couple lengths off. He'll be able to save all the ground. He's not as fast as the outside runner in here. And I'd love to see him kind of right next to Defunded or maybe even getting the jump on Defunded. I, I really think second start as a four-year-old, slow down Andy coming out of a tough spot last time. Let's give him a big look. Five to one on the morning line. Moving to race number nine right next door. It is first level allowance race going a mile on the turf course. Phillies and mares, three-year-olds and up. I like the number 10 in here with love. With Love is 12 to 1 on the morning line. She has raced twice in the U.S. And she was off slow in both of them. May the 21st, slow start. Um, finishes fifth. Was only beaten a couple lengths. Then on June the 18th, again, slow start. And they were flying early. Look how fast they were going. 44 flat. And she moved inside, but she moved into a little bit of traffic. She was eighth, about six or seven lengths off. She was traveling well, just not much room as the horse in front of her backed up. She was closing well in between horses. Things got a little bit tight late. She's now going to go third start off the bench. She's going to stretch out. She can improve the number 10 with love. Where is the love? Where is the love? It's right here with love as we move to the Bing Crosby, the best stakes race that you will see anywhere this weekend. It is a massive field lining up in a grade one. And all I will say is you just need to demand value in here. Spirit of Machina has won back-to-back graded stakes races. You've got the chosen Vron who has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, the seven race winning streak going right now. Multiple graded stakes winner. Kid Corleone, he's intriguing making his second start as a four-year-old. Get her numbers a grade one winner. I actually like Anarchist the most. I thought he had a sneaky trouble trip in the true North the last time out. I thought he could have beat elite power if he would have been able to get the jump on him and he had to wait and then move after elite power moved. 
but I don't really want to take less than four to one. CZ Rockets, a multiple graded stakes winner. Sibelius is a grade one winner, won the Golden Shaheen. American Theorem won this race last year, and Dr. Shivel won it two years ago. What a group lining up for the grade one Bing Crosby this weekend at Del Mar. Del Mar, I, I got to say, I'm, the, I'm a West Coast guy. I know I'm a Southern California guy, but in the early weeks of the meets, Del Mar has by far been the better gambling product than Saratoga. You don't get as many of the big, big star horses at Del Mar because there aren't just quite as many graded stakes races overall. But from a gambling standpoint and a betting quality, Del Mar has been much, much more fun to handicap so far. So uh, another good weekend, another good Saturday card. And then Sunday, we'll have that mandatory payout in the pick six. Don't forget about the Del Mar handicapping store at drf.com, past performances, DRF picks, clocker reports. And on Saturday, you can actually get betting strategies as well for Del Mar. Good luck this weekend playing the races over at Del Mar, where the turf meets the surf. dive into some Saturday racing over at Louisiana Downs. I've got two best bets for you out at LAD for Saturday, July the 29th as we take a look at the daily racing form past performances. Next week is going to be a big week at Louisiana Downs. We'll have coverage of their stakes day. I think Roxanne Tanner and Phil Cleek will join me. Good luck to Roxanne who does the handicapping out there. John McGarry calling the races out at Louisiana Downs. You can get free past performances when you use the promo code WINNING at DRF Bets. Go to DRF Bets, sign up, use that promo code winning, and they will match your first deposit all the way up to 250. They'll also give you 10 free formulator past performance cards. And then every time you bet another 50 bucks, you get a credit for past performances. So if you're wagering, you won't have to be spending a whole lot of money on those past performances. Let's take a look at two races on the card for me at Louisiana Downs. We're going to look at races one and five. And in this opener, I'm looking at the number eight here. We are going to go to the outside. Uh, nine to two on the morning line on Carpe Horseshoe. Seize the horseshoe as this one is in the Carl Broberg barn. And they're just looking for the right spot for her. They claimed her for 10. They tried tougher 25 restricted claimers. They tried a first level allowance race. Those races were too tough. Now you drop back in for a really logical level 7,500 because if she gets claimed and you perform well at all, you're making money on your claim. So Carpe Horseshoe claimed on the out, uh, claim for 10, tried tougher, now back in, outside speed, lots of positives for a barn who just wins a ton of races in particular with this rider aboard. Nine to two on the number eight. And then in race number five, We'll go a mile on the turf course here. I'm looking at the number eight, Mr. Leo and Jose, who is five to one on the morning line. You can just toss the race on the wet track. Last time out, this horse debuted on the turf and was a very good third against maiden special weights against better. Now gets a drop down in class should sit a nice trip from the outside. Mr. Leo and Jose five to one on the morning line. Seven to two would be my value line 
on this one. Two best bets for Saturday at Louisiana Downs. Best of luck on Saturday at Louisiana. Just a week out from a big day, Louisiana Cup Day. We'll be talking all about that and providing analysis and previews of the big races on social media. Make sure to follow on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. Good luck. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. Time again, folks. It's time to talk about everything in the world of pro wrestling, WWE, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, Dynamite, and Collision as we get closer and closer to WWE SummerSlam. We're also just a few days away from NXT Great American Bash. AEW has their big event. Well, it'll be the first time we see this event at Wembley Stadium, one of their big events, and they're going to have two back-to-back in just a few days. Coop. Let's start over on SmackDown. We had a rules of engagement, and we also had a, a four-way match <laughs> that could lead to a U.S. title. This was on FS1 because of the Women's World Cup. I believe this was the highest-rated episode of SmackDown ever on FS1, and they just continue to roll. Like I'm not going to act like every character on the roster is in a great spot or every single thing, but... Most of these storylines just sound or just are smooth. A lot of these characters are in probably some of, some of the best places they've ever been in their careers as far as being over. And we had Rey Mysterio win the opener. So Rey is going to have a chance to face Santos Escobar. And the winner of that match will go on and face Austin Theory for the U.S. title. This is disappointing because we're big L.A. Knight fans. Now, I do have a couple... Negatives in this match Number one Okay we wanted LA Knight to win Okay if, if he doesn't win I'm okay with I'm okay with it If they have a plan for him After SummerSlam We've done this now though Two or three times Where we've said Okay We don't mind As long as they've got a plan <laughs> if, if there's And, and if he Royal Rumble not, you know, right, right? Royal Rumble Mania, Mania. He was supposed to come out And have a segment at Mania um, he would Money in the bank on, At least he was on The Money in the Bank card But we didn't Get him to True. win like we thought, but we he he has to be on this card. I don't I'm not saying like a match, but there's gotta be him coming out and having a segment with someone on this card. Like we need yeah. to hear that music and you've got to yeah. have that crowd chant for LA night. I I just it's, I, it's uh it, the phenomena is just crazy. And like you say, um, you know, the longer you wait, uh the bigger chance your percentages go up of somebody getting hurt. Somebody getting you hurt, know? something else changing, him just being a little bit less over. The crowd just kind of like, oh, okay, they're not going to really get behind him ever, so I'll care a little bit less. We've seen that happen with a lot of people through the years, but right now this guy has the number one, three, four, and five selling t-shirts at WWE.com. And it's not like Ru- Rusev was popular and Miro was popular, but there was the Rusev Day thing. You know, sure, for like a sure. month or two where people like to cheer Rusev Day. They thought it was great. I don't know how many people were really, really into the Rusev Day thing more than sort of just chanting it. I actually think that, I mean, I think he's a little different. And in watching some of the old old footage of like Eli Drake and 
things of him when he was younger. We just we just saw a a picture pop up where Percy Pringle was managing him. Yeah. Paul Bear yeah. was managing L.A. Yeah. Night. Yeah, as. And, and what's even worse is WWE social media just keeps teasing us and just with, prodding us. So with that's that stick, what I think. Like, it's like they, you know, even last week, right? He they have the US talks, title match. Listen, he's the only guy that cuts a promo before the match. Everybody else right. is in the match. They come out. They have their entrance, or they're in the. And he's the only one that gets a a mic to talk. They know what they have. It's just, gosh, you know. Uh, I, and I have no direct, no idea which direction either. Me Usually either. you can kind of feel it. You know, the rumors are out that Bray Wyatt will, is definitely coming back to SummerSlam. We're definitely not revisiting that because no. that didn't work. That that was a that was a bomb. It, it, we got it Grayson Waller uh, campaigning online for matches with LA Knight. Yeah, which that was, was great. Whole, that was gr- great. Really funny stuff. So it's a bummer because the two guys in this match, like um, LA Knight, he's great. He's awesome. Ray, total pro vet, Sheamus, you know what you're gonna get from him. What the hell am I watching with Cameron Grimes? Like, who is this yeah. guy? Like, I yeah, he they don't give we don't know anything about him. He's been he's been brought he was, up from he NXT. He was the odd man out. And he they was just definitely don't the odd man him, out. Like they don't they they haven't let him be the to the moon guy. They haven't let him have any sort of a character or a gimmick. He's just like, hi guys, I'm Cameron Grimes. Literally, that like he has. Yeah, this felt this this honestly felt like something AEW does. That that just the wrestling someone up and it just put put him in a match. Oh, okay, okay, here he is. You know, but yeah, and, he definitely felt out, out of place in that match. And Not that he doesn't belong there, but it was just like him. I don't want it to to be a while we're talking about WWE SmackDown. Always seem like we're comparing to certain things, but in particular, this one thing, AEW. I think one of the problems they're having right now with um with just their storytelling and is that they lean so heavy on good match quality that it sort of all jumbles together. Um after a week or two or three, you see a lot of really good matches. The difference between like really good and good and pretty good, they all sort of kind of mix. You do remember the stories though. You remember the stories that lead to the matches that make you care a little bit more. And right, right now, I, have, I don't care about Grimes at all. I have no reason to. Compare right now, I know more about Nick Wayne and A.R. Fox than I do about Cameron Grimes. And, and that's a positive I'm going to talk about with AEW when we get there. I love the way they've done some of these video packages recently. That's just something that we've asked. Like, I didn't know anything about A.R. Fox other than, oh, guy's really good in the ring and athletic. And now I saw Darby Allen. So, like, some really positives for AEW when we get there. I think Darby's looked good. Darby's sort of been cutting better promos and making himself seem like a, a top-tier babyface. I've been introduced to some of these guys. But then, on the flip side, all the other time they don't do that, I feel like I'm watching Cameron Grimes right now. It's that Cameron Grimes, sure. to me, is a microcosm of, like, 85% of how AEW is a guy that you bring in. You don't tell me anything about. He's just a guy that's good in the ring. And that's about it. And we need more from Grimes, him and, and LA Knight had that awesome storyline over the, the million dollar belt, which was one of our favorite things happening in, uh, in NXT. Now we had a lot of NXT on SmackDown because they were down in Florida and we are going to see a lot of crossover between NXT on SmackDown, on Raw, on um, and back and forth with Raw and, and the main roster wrestlers going down to SmackDown. 
We saw Carmelo Hayes and Trick. Tiffany Stratton was standing in the crowd. So uh, we got to check in with a lot of them. Charlotte ends up getting a win over EO as they do this a lot, Coop, with someone who has the briefcase. They haven't really done it with Priest, but a lot of the times they have them lose, lose, lose with the briefcase because it sets up like contenders for them if they end up winning the title. Yeah, and I'll and uh, I'm going to say something negative here. I wasn't a very big fan of this match. No, it was kind of clunky for two reason, great it workers. Did, it didn't it flow clunky. like it should. <clears throat> yeah, it, it was a little clunky. No, I have no problem with EO losing um, to Charlotte. I, I really don't. I don't. I, I, you know, it, it is, you know, they're not a title holder. It does happen. Um, I thought it was interesting later in the night. Didn't we get a knife or something or a dagger that's placed into the briefcase uh, or stuck through the briefcase and Bailey and her freak out? I think we're going to, you know, some kind of Bailey EO incident is happening uh, we got here soon. But regarding the match, I, I just wasn't a fan of this match. Expectations were higher for it, and they just didn't Very. hit. We had... Uh... Dominic Mysterio, man. So Dom comes out. Dom ends up main eventing Raw, SmackDown, and NXT <laughs> last week. It was the first time in history any one wrestler highlight uh, was in the main event for all three of those. As he wins, he beats Butch. As uh, the true main event was really the rules of engagement discussion, but the final main event match, Dom sure. win, Dom wins by eight uh, pinfall after eight minutes. So man, it's amazing, it's unbelievable. If we were to pull the footage and the records of some of these shows, like a year ago, <laughs> a year and a half ago, where we're like, just get Dominic Mysterio off my TV, please. This guy, hey man, he's, hey, you know, he not had just no him, charisma. But- Nothing, right? There was nothing interesting about him whatsoever. Yeah, and not just him, but I mean, it wasn't long ago when when these SmackDowns would would move to FS1. It was just like a, uh, I don't even know if I'm gonna watch it. Well, they they would mail you it know? in too. WWE would it, understand it was, that it was gonna be a bad yeah. number, and so they would just sort of like, okay, let's not I mean, give you're them in everything. The, you're in the hundreds of thousands. I mean, you're cut more than half. It's cut, you know, sixty, seventy percent. You know, uh, not everyone has FS1. It it is readily available more on on cable TV, but um, man, they did melon in. Roman Reigns is on there. What a segment that was! And you and I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago about they're really going to push this Judgment Day like it's the like it's a bloodline type storyline. And it, it, you know, it, it's it's pretty darn good. It's pretty darn good. I, I you know, I we'll talk all about of the, the great like American all four back of here those guys soon. Are individually in their best place that they've ever they've ever been in their career. All Dominic, especially Finn, WWE for sure. Well, yes. Finn, Finn would be the one that we could say, well, Finn's been the world champ or he's been at the top. But sure, this sure. version of him right now as a heel is really good. I like they. A lot of people a few weeks ago were were not as interested in a Seth Finn rematch at SummerSlam because we'd seen it a little bit. But now I think people actually feel like there's a chance that he could win, like that he could legitimately win because of the, the Damian Priest involvement and what that might do. You could have Finn win, Priest lose, Priest come and cash on it Im- immediately. You could have him tease it for a little while. I- I'm... 
just extremely impressed with what they've done. Rhea's been obviously great, and Dominic is just getting heat like nobody else. And Priest is awesome. That whole Judgment Day act, again, on Raw, on NXT, on SmackDown, they were and great. Hey, that's ask, Gino, it's asking a lot because the burnout factor. Dude, you that know, kid's a, he's get, a young kid too, man. He's young right now. And I'm, he, and I'm talking about people getting uh, the overexposure part of it. You're right. You know, people getting being sick burned of you. out like, uh, it's not happening right now. And no. I, I think I think there's some things that's going to happen as, as we, uh, you know, go into the summer. And as you mentioned with Finn and Seth, Finn could win. You know, Damian could cash in that money in the bank briefcase in that match. Um I, I don't know, and it's interesting. Uh, the Great American Bash this weekend. Uh, preview that they, in just a second on paper. That show looks great. They they the, the card they on that is Damian, so well built, and they've teased Damian Priest maybe cashing that thing in on Carmelo. So there's some interesting things with the Judgment Day, but they're pushing them like this is a bloodline storyline, and they're getting really good numbers from it. We have the rules of engagement. And uh, we are going to be all set for the big one at SummerSlam with Jey Uso and Roman Reigns. That'll be our main event. And you just wonder, you know, Jimmy's been out and he will be out for a while. He's got to show up at SummerSlam, right? He's there picking a side. Like either, I still don't think Jey's going to win this thing. Like I think it would be Jimmy that gets, comes over and screws him over again. You know, if they keep telling the story, but I don't know. I just don't feel, even though it would be the perfect circle and for a story, it would make the most sense. I just don't think it makes the most sense for your company, for the ratings, for the TV, for the title moving forward. But Jey Uso has done incredible work, incredible work acting in ring, his emotions. And man, I was feeling it again there on Friday night. We flip over to Monday, Koopa Loop. We had a Seth Rollins, Finn Balor contract signing. Logan and Ricochet interacted again. Becky Zoe uh, with Trish. There's a lot going on. It honestly felt like this was like the go home show for SummerSlam. It was a big raw. You know, it was, it was a lot of a lot of stuff. And I'm like, every, we'll compare it when we get to AEW in a minute. Um, because I said I don't like doing all the negatives, but you have to compare different companies, different shows in, in what they're doing. And cause it's sometimes positive and, and others not. Well, Hey, it's their words, Tony. Yeah. Khan, it was, you know, Chris Jericho, uh, you know, they all said that, you know, they're, they're the, they rivals, wanted the, so, no, yeah, they well, invited it. it. They invited it. They, they invited it. They wanted it. Open the door. We walked in. They wanted we lit, the comparison. I hate, to say it, I, I hate to say, you know, with doors open and you know what I mean? People just walked on in. They it's, did. That's scary. They did. They did, and uh, <laughs> this happens all over the place, Coop. It really does. It does. And, it does. What, what, we, what we're seeing is, again, this, the difference in story because a few weeks out for SummerSlam, it feels like almost everything is set. I don't yeah, – yeah. I'm not sure one match for AEW's big show in four weeks at Wembley. I'm honestly not sure one match. Like, I don't even know no, – they haven't announced any. And, and I think I, I even, think I know of one, and, and we're going to get to it in a moment. And you're not going to be happy thing, with it. But and the only thing is, like, their way they're teasing, like MJF and Cole are in a feud right now. If they get to an MJF Cole match, okay. But the problem again, like, they got what three dynamites left to promote this show? I think three, so, yeah, it's or it's, yeah, it's not yeah. many. And so we're not even there at all. What are they going to do with Punk Collision? All those things. 
we'll we'll get there in a moment, but let's finish up with Monday Night Raw first because I just was so impressed with all of the development. Dirty, dirty Dom comes out getting all <laughs> dirty Dom in the world. Sammy convinces Dom to put his North American title on the line, and even now, um, we're understanding a little bit more about why Kevin and Sammy haven't had much going on. Kevin's hurt. Yeah. Legitimately hurt yeah. so again it's um, You feel a little bit bad like when we were Wondering with Grayson Waller and we're wondering Sometimes with these guys and gals like <laughs> how come The guy Johnny had Gargano? a broken leg and we're like Why right? isn't he working matches How come there's nothing in, There's no real storyline for them Well they can't set one up if you don't Know when he's fully able To go Um, So that's that's intriguing because I could see something Where they had the like priest In Dominic win those titles from them, and, may, and maybe that's something that happens at SummerSlam because looking at and the it way, could be like looking at the way a lot of it's set up, Coop. I don't think the only the only team that we don't or like the main main players that don't have a match are Sammy and KO. They don't have somebody set up for them that you would automatically say, okay, that's who they're going to face. They've been involved with the Judgment Day. They've been involved with the uh, Imperium a little bit. I would would think that. It would make the most sense for it to be Priest and Dominic challenging Sammy and KO if they have a match at SummerSlam. I, I agree, and I, I and it would suck if they didn't. I mean, the, the alternative is the choices you have is you work, and Kevin KO is working hurt, and they're likely going to give the titles up to someone, or Sammy is in a one-on-one contest, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and really. And so it's a bummer because he's. Cooled off a little bit, right? I mean, not like the fans still cheer for those guys and they're always going to be over. But Sammy right now doesn't feel like the guy who we thought a few months ago could beat Roman Reigns for the title. We were legitimately talking ourselves into like, Sammy could do this. I think he could do this, you know, and it doesn't doesn't feel that way right now. So here's the card because I can go through what we have on SummerSlam and that'll sort of hit a lot of what we haven't talked about on uh, on Raw. Ronda Rousey versus Shayna Baszler. The, the, this is a weird. It's going to. It's weird the way we're getting to this because the timing is off. It We've is. It a few it times. It's yeah. all been expedited. Because they're not involved with anyone else. No, yeah, we're not going to do. I promise you, we're not going to have uh, a coexist moment with those no. two heading into SummerSlam. But I do think once we get into the ring, I think they're going to really have a good match because I, I think being so too. good friends. And probably having a lot of opportunity to work through some of the spots they want. I think it's going to be like a fight. These are two legitimate women fighters. I don't think they would mind stiffing each other a little bit here and there. And Ronda looks like she's on her way back to the UFC. I think she might like a real sparring type match here, you know, to kind of to get her ready. and I and I really and I really don't need to see Ronda going over here. No way. She should just don't. No, I, I just don't. And if it's if the reason is if you want to bring someone else along with Shayna and you have somebody come out with Shayna and help her cheat to win something like that, and then Shayna has another person that can something I don't care. Ronda should not win this match at all. The no. best thing would be no. would be to Shayna to just win this match clean and clean, I, yes. and and like Ronda just pass out, don't even tap out, right? But just pass out. Because then you can at least have Ronda save some face. She didn't tap out. She just passed out. But 
this has got to be Shayna's moment. Like you got it. This has to make yeah, Shayna. It does because that this is going to put her in the upper echelon for her to be a contender for a world a women's world title. Now we haven't had it announced on the show yet, but Becky didn't have to get the tra- the tattoo. So there we go. No, <laughs> didn't have to get the tattoo. <laughs> we assume it's going to be Becky versus Trish at SummerSlam. Like they haven't set that match yes. for sure. Um, yes, and maybe we get Lita with a run in at SummerSlam. To help Becky if Stark's getting yeah, involved. Yeah, Becky finishes something. this. Yeah, Becky yeah. finishes this storyline. I agree. Yeah. I think, and I think you got to finish it at SummerSlam. If Lita yeah. does come back, maybe you have like one tag match or something. And then I think Becky needs to move on. Like I really do think she needs to yes. go back to Rhea, like to the title. She needs to go towards Rhea. I don't think she should beat her, but she needs to start going back towards that because what we they have do- missed her in that in that part. Yeah, and this. I think. What they're doing with Becky is sort of like what they do when when you become that established star, like you know, like the Undertaker, where you could like be in a world separate from the title, and and it feels okay, but unfortunately, it hasn't really for Becky all that much right now. Like she does feel noticeably below the rest. She's not as over as the other women I think that are in the main event pictures right now, and I I just think we got to slot her right back in there soon after this. Uh, but Zoe looked really good. I thought this was a good yeah, like good match. This is what we're we want, and this is what we should get from Zoe. She goes ten minutes with one of the really really top tier women in, the, but she loses. But she's still out there when we're getting the best out of her. Like this is good, and she doesn't have to go out there and cut a promo or anything like that because we can let Cody Rhodes cut promos. He's freaking amazing at these man. <laughs> he just comes out there and he says, you know, so Tampa, what do you want to talk about and. He mentions last week how Brock attacked him and his mom wasn't impressed. He's doing this new gimmick where he tells people he wants to turn to the hard cam. You know, he says, I'm sorry, folks. At home, you're going to see my back because I want to turn and look. Like, that's such a territory's baby face thing to do. You know, like, it is breaking the fourth wall. I got to hold on, guys. I got to come over (laughs) here and sign an autograph real quick. It's just, it's not cheesy, though. It's there's such a fine line though, man, because I don't know how many other guys on the roster could do the same thing he's doing and and not make us go, Oh, really? Cody's doing his shtick again. You know, like that's a good is, point. It's freaking good, man. For someone he's, has had to and most of his promos are at the top of the hour. This one wasn't. So most of his promos are being seen by your highest audiences uh because people tend to turn things at the top of the hour so just think of all the promos he's had to cut all of them meaningful of course but just the ones at the top of the hour that they have to be really good because he's not wrestling every week no so they have to be really good and this one was just it was he just he's very very creative in the way he does this thing man you just gotta you gotta know aew mr cody rhodes and i will say I knew I didn't think he was this good. Like I knew I knew he was a good talker and we saw him in AEW obviously speak and his promos it was never like they were bad. He was always fine like an above average on the mic and super but confident. But man, like he he hits everything. Everything they give him, you could tell he's taken it either it's completely his own words or he's taken what they've given him and then put it into his own words. And Yes. Yeah. Man, he just connects so well. And while we all wanted him to win the 
the main event of WrestleMania. And I still think, I don't know, maybe it, he would have been fine if he had the title here. What they've done with him post-Mania has been very good. And the crowd's still into yeah. it. And he's still over. And freaking Cody Rhodes will face Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. Do you think they announce like uh, some sort of a stipulation? Do we get like an ambulance match or something like that for the end of their feud? I, I wouldn't be shocked if they add something to it. I, I, I would assume so. It's just, again, let me just you know, preface something. Bray Wyatt is going to get involved with somebody at SummerSlam during their match. And, yeah. I, you know, if you look at all of them, you, I, I don't know if Cody – Bray was a failure last time he returned. Could Cody make him – you know, this, this, is this the inner feud, you know, up until Royal Rumble? And I, know, uh, I don't think he would with, because with, he's a heel. But remember, yeah. he was even teased with Brock at one sure. point. But sure. I don't think I don't sure. think would it make sense so, for that. I, I, from, I'm just interjecting this, and I, I'm glad you are. Get involved. Is you it, know, is it I, I just I don't Does know. But this, will, there, this will right? definitely, yeah this this will definitely end this somehow, some way. Someone needs to go off in an ambulance. The old stretcher match, the old gurney match, however you want to do it. This needs to end this Brock. Because uh, if he's getting, Cody deal, but it's been fun. It's been fun. If Bray Wyatt is showing up to get involved. In a feud, and let's say he gets, he is one of the one of the um, the reasons for the result of one of these matches. The matches we would look at would be, I would say, no chance Roman Reigns Jey Uso, zero chance that Bray Wyatt no, is in, no. involved with that. I don't think he would get involved in that in any way, shape, or form. I would say almost zero chance Gunther Drew McIntyre. Like I just don't see him in that space with those guys for the IC title. Maybe I could see him like attacking Drew, you know, in like a just causing Drew to lose. And that could be like a Drew uh, Bray thing. I could maybe see something like that with Ricochet also. Like I could see him attacking Ricochet. I don't know if Ricochet is big enough for Bray Wyatt if they're going to have him come yeah, in. I, yeah, because I don't think they're ready for Gunther to lose this title yet. No, no. So could they have him <laughs> attack Drew and, and that's the why Drew loses? And that's why you can have what it about sort Seth? of a clean for – and that's what – so I think it's it's Cody, it's Seth, or it's Drew. If it's if it's Drew, someone on the on three. the roster that he's going to come and attack, because that would be the next feud. You could have Seth lose the title, or they could be Seth could beat Balor right after the match. Bray Wyatt shows up, beats up Seth, and then Priest cashes in. And then would you've got- you be okay? <clears throat> would you be okay? Uh, as you mentioned, L.A. Knight does not have a match. There's there. At SummerSlam, and we keep. Would you be okay if him coming out, cutting cut promo at SummerSlam, or maybe the next night on Raw, and the Viper Randy Orton comes out? And I would love would that. that. Be worth the wait for you. Yes, it would. I think it would be fantastic. I, I could get into that. I could Me get too. into that. And and because L.A. Knight, I think in that feud he would go over. I think the point would yes. be to have L.A. Knight get over. He would win, slip on a banana peel, roll him up. Something would happen. Or they would have Randy kind of go super heel. Because I don't think they – I yes. think they're going to lean into the, like, tweener of L.A. Knight. I don't think they want him to be, like, a he, like healy – do healy no, things. No, he don't anymore. need to be full-blown. No, he can do, like, little but if it, if it things. is the Viper and that – That would be awesome. that entrance music kicks on, it, that place – I hear about voices going nuts. in my head. That would be good. That would be very, very good. A lot of other just real positive things from 
um, Raw to talk about Ciampa, Bronson Reed They go like 13 minutes and just beat the crap out of each other This match was really good And I don't know all the direction of where they're going But this just reminds me of like older WWE Attitude Era time in, In you have Reed, Ciampa, Nakamura Guys that aren't in the main event picture But they at least have a little story with each other And we get to see them each week now in different combinations And I think this is just good ways to use these guys Because what's their strength? They're wrestling Anytime we can see Bronson and Ciampa and Nakamura on TV For 10 minutes or 15 minutes I think it's really good And, and by just having little storylines Little interactions backstage Little promos It makes me care more about it Than if they were just good matches I think it's pretty simple I think we'll get some tag teams out of this too I think when Johnny G comes back, him and Ciampa will be a nice tag team in the division. I think Bronson Reed could, could, could team with somebody. I think he and Braun Strowman may have something waiting. Even he and Nakamura, if they were yeah, to go that absolutely. way, absolutely. Because he's he's got the big, um, you know, the the bruiser style of the the tag team. But Bronson's good. Like I just don't know if people realize how good and well rounded overall he is. This guy cares about pro wrestling quite a bit. He was Jonah yes. in and yes. New Japan. They had him beat Okada. Like he he has a win over Okada. Um, and <laughs> so people were laughing because I think he's beaten Okada and Nakamura. You know, within like a six month span, like two like all all time New Japan wrestlers. But I I, I think positives here. Rhea or uh, Rhea just looks so so badass and dominating. And Liv Morgan, I wanted to give her a freaking Academy Award. I thought this was fantastic. She did good, didn't she? In sometimes when people sell an injury, it comes like a bad injury like that when they have to do the fake the fake angle, it can come off a little cringy, you know? Because it's hard to 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 pretend how how you're really hurt. You don't think about. The reaction when you're hurt, you just react. I believed Liv. I believed her there. She she did a really good job selling here, but unfortunately, she's really hurt too. And it's not oh, it's no. not a thing where she came back too soon, Coop, because it's like the opposite. It's the opposite arm, I think, or legs, like the opposite side of the body that she got hurt. Yeah, yeah. It's like Alexa Bliss. You come back, you're hurt. You come back, you're hurt. It's uh, you know, that's again, L.A. Knight. As you mentioned, uh, the timing is now because, you know, maybe he's still working out shows, you know, but the longer you wait, the chances go up of something changing and getting hurt. The sports seem to happen a lot more than they used to. We had Ricochet and Logan Paul. Man, is is he Ric Flair or The Rock right now? No, but is Ricochet just (laughs) miles and miles ahead of where he was? A month ago or where people think he is Like when people still talk about Ricochet They talk like he can't even go in there With a microphone and say two words He's fine at this <laughs> He's just never been given an opportunity I the, the biggest thing For someone When they cut a promo is I just have to believe them They don't have to be like As good as Cody Rhodes is As making it seem like he's Giving me this monologue in a movie But I believe Ricochet. It reminds me of Bret Hart, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Like a baby face. There you go. Good. It's just quick. You give me what you like, you give me what I need to know for your feud. But he he's not gonna go off on these tangents and he's 
Like Ricochet's not fun, like a gonna be cracking LA Knight jokes on people, right? That's just not his style. He's, <laughs> it's, and so I like I, I thought Ricochet came off very well here again, and I'm I'm extremely excited for this match. I think they've done a great job getting me interested in this match. Ricochet Logan Paul singles match at SummerSlam. Coop, I think this is going to be like one of those matches that I'm almost getting. I'm almost a little nervous because it's like, uh uh-oh, what are these guys going to (laughs) try? Right? They may try some crazy shit in this match, right? (laughs) I think we're setting up for something on Monday. I know Raw's in Houston on Monday, and I think they announced that Logan Paul would be there again, and I think Brock will be there on Monday. So uh, this Raw in Houston has been sold out for, shoot, uh, ever since they announced it months ago. So we may get some good, really good interaction on Monday with Paul and Ricochet. We may have some high-flying stuff that happens on Raw on Monday between those two. We spoke about Shayna and Ronda continuing their build. Damian Priest had a match against Apollo. We haven't seen Apollo Crews for a while. This was just a way to get Damian a, a nice win. And yeah, that's fine. the last thing we saw with him, he was on NXT. He was like, that's so Raven. Remember, he was stopping yeah. <laughs> time. He was going back in time. He was he had the red eye. He was like bleeding from the eyes. Um, yeah, that poor guy. We just, but we don't know what to do with him. I know. They've tried a few different times. I don't mind him losing in that spot, but three No, minutes, me neither. I, me neither. Oh, Rough. We, uh, we then have the Imperium come out <laughs> and... Guther and Kaiser and Vinci go face to face with Drew McIntyre, and man, so it leads to a Drew McIntyre Ky- uh, Ludwig Kaiser match, which ends up being very good, as you would think. These guys are good. It yes. goes about eight minutes. Drew, Drew does look really intense right now, and I think people forget how like Drew takes stuff really seriously. You know, he does carry himself like a top guy, like he thinks he's one of the top guys, and I, I like that as. As a fan, but man, when freaking Graves starts doing the the Ludwig Kaiser, he's ta- he's talking like Kaiser. Kevin Patrick, we are watching Imperium here and the Ring General, <laughs> and and man, it was it was so I was dying, I was freaking dying. I was I thought it was so funny. And great, and you could tell Patrick was laughing because he couldn't respond. Like I love when you hear commentary teams laughing because one of the other guys can't talk. Like he can't say anything when he's laughing. He's not just gonna turn on the mic and start laughing. So there's just silence, and <laughs> Graves just keeps and the ring general. Good. <laughs> it, was, it sort of had a little uh, a little Dave Penzer in there too. You know the old WCW. <laughs> Remember the old WCW uh, ring announcer? Oh, yeah. This, oh, yeah. This was hilarious, Coop. And just little things like that, I think, you know, Patrick and Graves, it's not like they're the greatest commentary team in the world. Patrick is sort of like, I think, just um, interchangeable. I think he does fine. I don't think he does bad. I think he could place someone in his role. He's more of a backstage guy. But Gra- Graves, man, he's good. And this was, this was really good. And... Just running through Raw, we have all of these feuds and all of these characters that seem like they're in the best spot right now. Cody in a great spot. Brock, dude, nobody cared about Brock six months ago. He was facing Omos at WrestleMania. (laughs) And now we care about him again. 
Seth freaking Rollins and Finn Balor, you know, like I said, after Finn Balor um, had the Edge feud and there wasn't much going and they were sort of in between when Edge left Judgment Day, him and Priest were wrestling on main event and Balor's had now multiple singles matches for the world title. He's going to be in a match that could main event SummerSlam. It won't because Roman Reigns sure. and, and Jay are, but it could. Uh, Asuka, Charlotte, Bianca. Like, Bianca's much more interesting now than she was when she was the champ. Much more interesting. Yeah, like we said last week, I, I'm into more chase. into her now than, than I was when she held the title. 100%. The chase for her is so much better. Best version we've ever seen of Jay Uso, no doubt. Roman Reigns, totally at the top of his game. Ricochet, cutting the best promos and in the most high-profile match he's ever been in against Logan Paul. Gunther, who still hasn't lost. Drew McIntyre, who I just had said, you feel like there's this sort of, um, hey, I just came back from a long like from being out for a while, I wasn't sure if I was going to leave. He's got a bounce in his step. Drew does. You can sort of sense it. And then Ronda and Shayna, this is the best that Shayna's ever been. Those are the seven matches on the card for SummerSlam. And we don't we don't have well, in, in that one, in, I, this is one of the biggest SummerSlams that I can remember in quite some time. Really. And every one of these things is just built well. There's nothing that's like, oh, we're, we just threw that on the card yet and we still are probably going to get a Becky Trish, which has been built up very well. We're still probably we're gonna get a Austin Theory versus either uh, Ray or Santos, and we're probably gonna get a tag team match. Um, and and who knows, maybe even the the women. We didn't talk about them, Chelsea and Sonia though. Even we get to see them on our TV. That's the one thing I wanted to bring up. I, I know we had a little vignette with them backstage, and they were talking about bad behind Rhea, Rhea and Rita came up, and they kind of hee hee snickered off. Don't do this to this tag team. Don't just fluff them off. If you want to put them on the pre-show and let them have a match, a tag team title match, let them have, have somebody, them. somebody. But don't do this to them because they've been hot. They've got they the need titles. to be in segments on TV and in matches. Completely yeah. agree. If you want them cheating to win, that's don't fine. Do that. They don't need to look. They don't need to look impressive winning. They just need to keep winning no, for and, a little and, bit and, with and the belts. If you're not. And if you're not going to do this with this team who's picked up steam and's done everything right, then just get rid of the, the tag team titles. Period. Because there's no such there's no reason out. for having them. You've just seen Rhonda and Shayna were gonna be the team to elevate the division. And then Rhonda is gonna leave. So okay, we're we can't we, we can't be too hard on that them for that because if Rhonda's gonna leave and their plans have to change, sure. Then again, you put Liv and Raquel together. And they they start having the same gear, and they're coming out together, and they literally look like a team, and then all of a sudden, Liv gets hurt. So maybe we can't be too hard on them for that, but if this team that you put together, it was like the third different person you put Chelsea with, and then they stuck, and now they fit, and they've had good segments together. If you don't want to make them just a part of your weekly show, like you said, just get rid of the women's tag team titles because there's no point. Yes. You've created yeah, the perfect just, just tag team because now this team is fine. You have them hold the titles and then whoever you want the baby face team to be to win, you, you like you have you just boom, you elevate them and you can do it. Sure. This should sure. be like a, a placeholder tag team like Chelsea and Sonia should win. They should be the team that's always in the mix, but they're they can win and lose the titles as long as they're still in the mix and on TV to baby faces all the time. Like, they should be able to win, have the titles for a month or two, lose to the next babyface team that they like. That's fine. 
Um, just make sure we yes. keep seeing them out there because for Chelsea and Sonia, a lot of it is about their second. It's a big deal. Well, and and their yeah, second. It's a big deal. They've done really well. They've done they've, really well. So they were given. So don't, don't just fluff them off, man. This is a Mick Foley thing. They gave me 10 seconds. I wanted to make sure that next week they gave me 30 seconds. And then when they gave me 30 right. seconds, I wanted to make sure next week they gave me 60. Every time they've given Chelsea and Sonia time, they've done a great job with it. So now yeah, they've they done everything to. you've asked them to. Yes. They, yes. they have to keep, continue Keep to. them on programming. Let him have it. There's, look, I know there's not a lot of, you know, because uh, – female tag teams, but you've got several that you brought up from NXT. Put them together. Let them work. Chance you know, and Carter. Just, just, and then yes. and the witches right off the bat. There's two. Chance and Carter work. and the yeah. witches. You, uh, boom. I don't care got, if it's pre-show or not, but they need to be a part of SummerSlam. They just need to be a part of SummerSlam. Completely agree. We got to have something for them. We got to have something for the men's tag. Got to have uh, an LA Knight sighting on the show. So those are things that we need just to complete this overall SummerSlam to get the most eyeballs on some of these people and to get them set up for the second half of the year as we move over to NXT. And, man, it was a good NXT. They've been over 700,000 in viewers for back-to-back weeks for the first time in years. They're getting all sorts of crossover interaction from the main roster onto NXT. And we have seven matches listed, one pre-show match for the Great American Bash this weekend. The pre-show match... Dragon Lee, Nathan Frazier, Ulisa Leone, and Valentina Feroz versus the metaphor, Noam Dar, Ora Mensa, Jakara Jackson, and Lash Legend. They have um, Noam Dar in a wheelchair in the ring doing the segment. <laughs> like, he's he's like comatose. And then when they, when they bring out the fake. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's goofy. It's corny. It's sort of like, it, it's comparable to me. I'm not saying it's as good or we like these guys as much. But it's like a comparable comedy segment of like the Cole MJF stuff. Like I don't have a problem yes. with that on my wrestling TV. I just want it to be in a certain place. And and here's what I what I'll say: Noam Dar is getting over because of this. In people sure. like like you and I like we like you want to start to like to boo this guy. And there's going to be a point where people are going to want to cheer him. And it's because of these segments. I think you do the comedy segments to get someone over. And then you can elevate them. I don't know if you do the comedy segments while you're elevating them into the world title. To me, that doesn't work. It's let's make the people like them and care about them. Then we can step them up and get more serious. And right now people are caring about booing Noam Dar. I I think it's really good. (laughs) We've got Dirty Dom versus Wesley versus Mustafa. That's going to be the triple threat. For the North American Championship. Boy, that's going to be good. That's really going to be good. Wesley, man, he's one of my MVPs of the last year of all wrestling. All of wrestling. What he has done since he was a single star, since his, since he was in the good tag team. Remember, this was a guy who was in a tag team that like we didn't hear talk ever. He was just top flight in AEW, sure. right? It was like one of yeah. those like really good high-flying tag teams, and he's just one of the guys. And then yeah. his partner gets fired, gets involved in some sort of backstage, like really like bad stuff. We don't exactly know what went down, but he gets released. And now Wesley is just sitting there by himself, like a smaller guy. He's never even really had a story. And they start letting him tell his story. And sure enough, we care about him. And he goes on this great <laughs> run. 
and he holds the title for, he said, I think 250 days. He challenges anyone that wants it, open challenges everything. And now I think I don't want Wesley to win this because I want Wesley to move up and be battling for the the NXT championship. I think he deserves that now. Like, I think we saw the almost the same exact thing with Carmelo. Carmelo held the North American title for a while. And then when he loses it, you can elevate him. I think that's what you need to do with Wesley. I don't, I don't want Dominic to lose this thing yet. I think Dominic should have it for a little bit. It's a great heat magnet for him. Him walking around with that title with the judgment day looks good with mommy, everything positives. I don't think Mustafa wins either. Here, I think it should be Dom, but I actually like. Me too. I actually kind of liked the the interactions with Mustafa and Wes. It feels like we're gonna get to a singles match between the two of those, and Dominic can kind of weasel his way out of this match. And I and I and I like that. I, I want to see that coming at, out out of this match. I, I don't think Dom loses. Whether I, I and I don't want him to win clean either. No, I, I want Rhea to be involved. This is 100%. the hills. Let the you know, let them, it, it just gives them more heat. But I, I can't wait to see Wes and Ali go one-on-one on in, in, in NXT. Uh, uh, that'll be either on where Tuesday we, night or PLE. Yep, that'll be where we get to eventually. And that'll be a good way to get, yes. once once he's done with that, Wes, then you can push him up towards the title. And it'll be a few months or so from now where you can get him into that picture. <laughs> Tiffany Stratton, Tia Hale, the video packages they did for this was amazing. It was awesome. This was exactly who we want Tiffany to be. And if they need to do some backstage segments and videos like this to make her presentation better, it was perfect. She talked about how she's better than everybody, who she is, what she does. She works out harder. She's better looking. And she said, Tia Hale, okay, she's got energy. Ew. She's like an energy drink. She's like 19. It was Great, and then you get <laughs> Andre Chase talking about Tia Hale in her video package and basically talking about, like, signing day. He said, on signing day, we all had her in here at Tia Hale. And it felt like, it just felt like when you hear someone that has made it, like their old high school coach talking about them. I thought this was really well done, <laughs> and I'm super interested yeah. in this match now. I, I don't think Tia is going to win. But I would not have a problem if she did. No, and it makes it interesting that she has a chance to win. There's a difference in going into a match and watching it, knowing that the heel or the face is going to win. There's no way the champion or whoever, this person's going to, to, to lose. But they do a really good job of convincing you the other way. Even if you, that, you, know, if you look at it, this 19-year-old kid, this new champion, blah, blah, blah. They, they're pretty darn convincing at, 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 at faking you out. And that's all you ask for in a, rest, a professional wrestling match, right? That's all you ask for. Yep. You don't know who's going to win going into the match. You don't want it to be a glorified squash. And I don't think it is. I think it's going to be a really good women's match for NXT. Sometimes we want to know or we want someone to win a match. And I think in this match... If we don't get Tony D and Channing Stacks winning the tag team championship, I don't know what they the hell we're to. doing. They've told a big story. Yeah, it was to. a fun story. This team is over, man. And they had a they sort of squashed the new tag team that just got brought in um, last week on NXT. So these guys got to be getting over, right? It's got to be the family winning this thing. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Tony D is going to be a champion in NXT. He was locked up not long ago. 
and uh, look what he's done with his life. Life Tony, after lockup with Tony. He's an inspiration. <laughs> he's an inspiration yeah, to everybody. Yeah. Pretty soon he's going to be doing yeah, motivational yeah. speeches. He's going to be doing the college tour. You know? You're I mean, let's gonna forget be... that he was putting people in the trunk, you know. He was in the trunk. Sleeping with stuff, the fishes. You know? They were sleeping with the fishes, Coop, out there. As uh, We got Gable Stevenson versus Baron Corbin. How about this? Gable Stevenson, his first ever match is going to be this weekend. That was kind of quick for how they set it up. It, but they kind of teased the decision with Gable Stevenson. And I think Baron Corbin's a good heel for this. But you and I like Corbin. I just feel like, man, Corbin's going to be sacrificed here, right? He's not, Stevenson's <laughs> not losing this match in his first match, right? No, he's not. No, nah, poor Baron. This could be a squash, too. That's what's, yeah. that's what's even going to be worse. <laughs> You're right. It could be like one of those where he, it happens in just like a move or two. Because I oh, don't know. One move. That's it. Right? Because I don't know how. Yeah. And maybe we're wrong. I mean, he's been training for a while. His brother's in there. I don't know how long Gable can go in an actual pro wrestling sports entertainment match. Like, yeah, I mean, either flow wise, right, of a match, because we haven't seen him. So we have no idea. Maybe he's great. Maybe he's going to come up and he's going to be like Kurt Angle and like a total natural or somewhere in the middle. But I could see it more being like Corbin and him talking trash. He hits like a crazy suplex or something. You know, like real quick, like an angle slam or like a belly to belly or oh yeah, some oh, something, yeah. and then gets an angle lock in, oh, and yeah. Corbin just taps out. A good old spear, good old jack knot, jack knife power bomb back to the good old Goldberg days. Poor Baron. <laughs> I just don't. In my head, I don't picture a ten minute match where like Gable Stevenson is selling for a lot of it. It doesn't no, see because that would probably be what this would need to be normally with Baron Corbin as a heel, and you'd want the baby face to sell. Come back and win, but I don't. I just don't think you want that for his first match. Do we get a grocery store match again with Roxanne and Blair? This was this was uh, Booker T and Stone Cold Steve Austin. This is her Booker T Stone Cold baby in the grocery <laughs> store. This was this was actually funny. I like this, and I th- I like that it was a little bit of a nod to that with Booker T being the mentor for Roxanne, and yeah, it was good. It was fine. Like this, this yeah. feels to me yeah. like. Like a, a program that is good. It's like to the side of the, the women's title. And whoever wins this should probably put themselves right back in as being the number one contender or right in line for a, a women's title match. I, I just thought it was a good segment to build up. They probably could have even gone longer and done more, right? But I think they wanted to save some for the match that they have coming up because they're going to have a weapons match this week. In- yeah, I, I look, this is better than just not being part of a storyline at all. Yeah, it's 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 good. Like you can't always be the champ. You can't always be in the title. This is like what Becky's doing with Trish, and they're doing it with Roxanne and with Blair, adjacent to the world title. Carmelo Hayes versus Dragonoff, Coop. Man, they're 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 making me believe a little bit right now that Dragonoff could win this thing. They really are because the way they tease the stuff with Trick Williams and Trick kind of acting agitated. I could see him being the reason why Carmelo loses this match, and that could lead to a Carmelo and Trick match and maybe be what has Carmelo come up. Or even having just Carmelo lose and then come up with Trick, I think would all be fine. I could also see Dragunov losing and coming up. I could literally see anything, which is why I like this match. I don't think it's predictable at all. I'm not sure if it's time for Carmelo to lose yet, but every time Dragonoff is out there, 
he's just like better and better. He's good in the ring. He's so passionate. Like he really does make you care. He you feel like he cares. I man, I I kind of want Dragon you know to win this thing. I, I want it, I want him to too. But you know what I what I'm about to ask. You know where I'm going, right? Mm-hmm. Does Damian Priest cash in? Get involved and cash in. That would really. I don't personally have a problem with it. I don't know if okay. I like the future of what that does for the Money in the Bank. Like, I actually wouldn't have a problem if there was an NXT Money in the Bank briefcase, right? Someone on that roster gotcha. got to carry a briefcase around, and maybe that would lead to gotcha. something like that. I don't think like it's that. going to happen. Me neither, I would be, but it's— I would be shocked if it happened. It would do awesome for their ratings for a few weeks. Bunch of people would care, yeah. like, even more than they are right now. Um yeah, I would even would, I would I would appreciate him coming out there and doing the tease, just the you know, tease like of give it. it to the referee, you know, give it to the referee. Then Rhea takes it or Finn takes it, you know, takes the briefcase and takes on, you know, no, we're not doing this right now. You know, just to remind us of what could yes. happen. Yeah, yeah, I like those. Yeah. So we're set up this, this weekend Sunday, for this Sunday, right? Sunday night. This is Sunday night. Great American Bash. It looks really good on paper. We head on over to AEW. Collision sort of settling in now, and we kind of know what we're going to get with Collision. They're in that 500,000 range or so, and sure. you're getting Punk and FTR and the Bullet Club and the Guns, and you're getting Starks and Miro, Alistair Black. There's a sort of a good you know, 10 to 12 guys that you feel like are part of that Collision roster. But what that's doing is it's hurting Dynamite because this week on Dynamite, it just did not feel like a big show with star power. We didn't have, obviously, a CM, CM Punk there. We only had a pre-taped backstage segment with Cole and MJF. Hell, I've been critical of the story only because it's for the world title. That's been the most entertaining thing on your show. Why wasn't there more of that? Like, why didn't you have like an actual segment or something in the ring when those guys are going to be wrestling for the world titles on Saturday, it just seems yeah. so much like they don't want to combine the shows or they don't want one show to help build and lead I, to the I, other. Dude, I seriously, I think they have they've done <clears throat> over the last three or four days, they've done more. You know, you had this ROH supercard or whatever it was called on Friday night. That I compl- I'm gonna be honest with you. Completely forgot about. Didn't see much. On they don't Twitter. promote it on on Dyn- No, nowhere on AEW do they promote it because they're in a weird spot no. because they have a rampage on Friday, so they can't really promote it That's because paid. they're gonna be running against paid. their own stuff. So like, what TV- right. TBS and-, and TNT probably doesn't want them promoting a show that's gonna compete with them on <clears throat> Friday night. So they're in a weird spot. No, and- and then on Dynamite Wednesday night, I get I get ROH carryover. Everything, like I'm like supposed everything to know that happened, what happened on Friday night. How so? If you tell me that you're not going to promote the show and let me know, how how am I supposed to afterwards care about what happened? It does not make any sense at all. And this show, more than any show I can remember, felt like booking to your buddies, booking for a small group I of people. I I'm I'm sorry. Like how many people? Really know who Jerry Lynn is. Honestly. I, I know who Jerry Lynn is. You know who Jerry Lynn is. You and I have been following wrestling for 30 years. And we are hardcore wrestling fans that record a weekly show. 
I wouldn't have even known by look that was Jerry Lynn unless it was mentioned. They didn't do a good job of explaining <laughs> why Jerry Lynn was out there, why it was important. First off, it was really confusing that as Jungle Boy Jack Perry is talking shit about Hook, who is Taz's son, Taz doesn't stand up and say anything. Somebody else no. does. Like, how weird is that? Taz is someone that everybody associates with ECW and that FTW championship. And instead, we get Jerry Lynn coming out, who I don't, no problem with Jerry Lynn. He's had some good matches. He's been in companies. He's been a great agent and, like, a really good backstage producer from all that I've heard. Nobody but really it's not knows. a draw. There's no, no, it's not unique to put him in that match against Jack Perry. I don't know what, I what's that. get it. What's that doing for them? It doesn't. It doesn't do much for me. Um, I just don't now, think collision this week. I, I I think you have a pretty good lead in, you know, right? You have the tag team match with this week should be with- their their biggest show since the the debut episode, and this should be a big one. You're right because you've got. Look, I had no idea that Andrade and Buddy Matthews was going one on one in a ladder match for Andrade's mask. Like, why well, isn't that, that promoted? Oh. Why not? That was not mentioned at all on Wednesday night. I have and, no idea why. And so that again, would really make me intrigued to watch that match. And it's, I get frustrated for the same reasons why I get frustrated with WWE or with my son, Milo, with my son, Milo, because <laughs> I get frustrated when I know it's something you can do. When I've seen you do it, I know you're capable of doing it. I know you have the capacity to do it. They just showed me a video package of AR Fox. They just did two weeks ago of Nick Wayne. And I know these guys now. I had no, I've seen AR Fox on my show. I had no idea that he like ran a wrestling school, that he was a legitimate good guy, that he let Darby come and stay in his house with no money, that the guy is just like backstage all the time, kind of paying his dues. Like all of a sudden, I cared a little bit more about AR Fox. And then later in the night, I cared a little bit more about the storyline angle. It it just, it makes, the timing of this is so weird to me because we're four weeks away from the biggest show of the year. Is this guy going to be on your pay-per-view? Like, is he going to have a big match on your pay-per-view? Because if not, why did you, why did you just do this? So why did you take so much of your TV four weeks out to AR Fox? If this was a month ago in just the middle of the year where you're not building immediately to a big show, I think that was a great way to, in one night, sort of make a guy. I love what yeah, they and, do. And, and I'm going to piggyback off this, Gino. Uh, I have no problem with him. I mean, of course, we're, somebody mentioned it's like the big show turns. I mean, AEW yeah. have people turn every week or whatever it is. But I didn't know this until I read it. AR Fox has already had seven title matches. His match with Orange Cassidy was his seventh title match. Some people have had zero. I know. It's crazy. It's and crazy. I, with, with Wayne, we saw Wayne in the package a few weeks ago. When they just put yeah. a minute or two minutes into it, it's good. It helps. It, it does sure. a good job. And you know what? In a, uh, I, I, I didn't like a lot of this show. I will say, and I'm not even saying hyperbole, no. I think this was one of the five worst episodes of Dynamite they've ever had. Uh, it was brutal. I really do. Just from, there was no elite. Because last week they had the blood and guts match. They didn't have any of the elite guys on the show at all. You have no elite, no punk, no MJF, no Adam Cole. None of them were out there live for the the live crowd. If you went to this show and you didn't catch any of those guys live, 
I'd be pissed. I'd feel like, man, I paid for a ticket and I didn't catch the Bucks, Kenny, Page. I didn't catch Punk. I didn't catch MJF or Adam Cole. Any of those guys? Now <laughs> we had a back. Would we have a backstage segment with MJF and Cole? And that was it. And it was that's it again. Like Cole, if Cole is made out to look like a stupid idiot here, he's not going to get back. He's not going to get over it. Like the crowd is not no. going to let no, him no, get no, back. No. There. It's finished. No, he's, he's going to be he's, like finished. he's not. He's going to be just slotted a full level down. He'll still get cheered yep. and they'll still yep. do the baby and people will still, but no one will actually think he's on the level of the main eventers anymore. That they, they can't, he cannot be like a stupid baby face that just gets swindled by MJF. It just can't happen. Um, speed round through AEW as we finish up here. The match was good between Fox and Cassidy. It actually looks like they're going to lead, which I don't mind, to a match with Cassidy and Moxley. It's like a big step Moxley, up in, sure. in class for Cassidy. But you know what? They've been building him for a while that it, while you looked at it initially, it was like, ah, Moxley, Cassidy, Moxley is going to kill him. I don't know. Like, I felt like I could see Cassidy getting like a sneaky win here. And th- that would be like the biggest win of his career in a time where Moxley doesn't really need wins. Doesn't, and he could sort of lose. Title. He could lose and then beat the crap out of Cassidy after the match as a, as a heel. I, I sort of like this for Cassidy. Just rest of the show, a lot of things I didn't like. The Brit Taya match. You liked that match, huh? That was a good one, Coop. Uh, uh, man, I it, look. I've full transparency here. I, you and I both like Brit. You and I both like Taya. This was so rough and hard to watch, and I, I don't know. Why they're building Britt up after her losing in this Owen Hart tournament. And let me tell you why I think they're building her up. I think they're going to bring back Thunder Rosa and Britt and Thunder Rosa are going to be at Wembley Stadium again. And I just don't think it's going to work. Yeah, because Britt, for whatever reason right now, when that was rough. No, it wasn't. She she kind of looks when she in her in some of her matches right now, she looks like she's going through the motions or like she's telegraphing things. Like she's not just all Austin talks about how, you know, certain guys used to hit the ring ropes. Like Jeff Jarrett, he didn't love the way that Jeff Jarrett hit the ring ropes. He didn't hit him hard enough, you know? But th- it sort of reminds <laughs> me of that. It looks like she's having a match instead of trying to hurt someone or trying to win. Like it, it, you could see her like the spots sure. being planned out and it was not smooth. We got gra- gravity versus the man that gravity forgot. Like really? Okay. And when and, hell we did I didn't get to see that match because it was commercial. The whole time. It was all commercial and, for me. Yeah. And Pac is a heel and the Blackpool Combat Club are heels. Black. And they're feuding with each other. Who are we supposed to cheer for yeah. in this feud? Yeah. I mean you can so have bad. heels feud with heels sometimes, but this just seems weird. Pac just comes back, now he's a heel, and we don't really have any reason to cheer for him. Swerve gets a win over Darby. Now I actually think over the last month, Darby has looked really good and and Swerve. I think the Swerve getting the win over uh, Wayne was nice, him getting a couple wins on TV. But Darby's actually, in these video packages, Darby's cutting great promos to get some of these guys over. He did it with Wayne. He did it with AR Fox. And I think it's a way of, like, Darby connecting as a babyface. I didn't think Darby had that in him. So I can see now... 
I have more faith in Darby being a guy that could beat MJF and win the title in a few months than I might have before. I didn't think Darby could cut promos and talk like that, and he seems like he's feeling more comfortable doing it. So on a show that I didn't like a lot of, like I don't know what the hell is going on with Jericho. He's and and Callis. It's too much. Just um, boring. It's just boring. And they I, got a, I, look. I thought Swerve and Darby was definitely the highlight of the mat of the night for sure. Yep. And I think you I know, like Darby won the Battle Royal a couple of weeks ago, and he's and he's been losing. But I, I had no problem with with the with the result, and I thought the match was well planned out. Nah. To finish up, Blackpool Combat Club, Lucha Bros, best friends. It just again seemed weird. We have this triple threat match. Penta gets the win. The Lucha Brothers get the win. Orange Cassidy comes out and attacks Moxley. Trent, it, there's just chaos going on all over the place at the end. And they tease a triple threat match next week. That's the 200th episode. That is like a no holds bars, anything goes match. I didn't. Coming off of a week where they had a big number. And the collision yeah. shows, I think, have been doing pretty well. I got to say, I thought this was one of the worst shows they put they put on. I just... I don't know how you could look at this show one month from Wembley and say, yep, we're going to put this show out there. I, I don't understand. This is yep, one month away from your biggest show in the time, history of your company. For the first time in a while, I'm I'm looking forward to watching this collision more than any dynamite that I have in, in the past several months, without a doubt. Completely agree. Coop a loop. We finish up with this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper, and we... Go to the AFC West Coupa Loop if you have a, a quick thought. The Chiefs, the Chargers, the Broncos with Sean Payton coming in, and the Raiders, Jimmy G coming <laughs> over to play quarterback for them. Any thoughts on this AFC West division? Well, you know, what's interesting is uh, KC's over-under is 11.5, and, you know, the over is the chalk, uh, minus 140. But, you know, the last four years, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs have won 12 regular season games. Um, you know, that's hard to overlook. How you about know, Denver, he's never he's never played a true road playoff game. No, he's never he's hosted all five AFC championship games. The only time he's been on the road in the playoffs have been in the Super Bowls. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. incredible. It's, it's crazy what they have going. Um, Denver's unique. Um, they what they won four or five games last year. Uh, Coach was miserable. Yeah. Coach, they definitely get an upgrade. I could see them going over the number. Chargers, I don't really like to mess with because every year we talk, we hear about how great they're they are, and somehow at the end of the year they're like eight and eight or nine and seven, or they make the playoffs and they. It really does you know, feel like the same thing every year. With yeah, them. it just so. seems like you know, and that that leads me to the Raiders. You know, I know we got an upgrade in quarterback here. Um, What's interesting about this team, how bad they were, the, the quarterback basically, uh, you know, gets gets he quits or gets kicked off the team. Well, the Raiders end up finishing the year, I think, like four and four and three and three in the division. And their total six and a half. I, I don't think they're going to be any worse. Um, I, I think the Raiders can sneak some wins. I'm not convinced Denver's going to beat everybody. Kansas City is probably the most consistent team here. I wouldn't be mad if, if, you know, to put money on over 11 and a half because Kansas City wins 12 games, it seems like, every year regardless. I, I'm not a Raiders fan. You know, they do get Jimmy G. If he, if he stays healthy, I could see them winning seven, seven games. 
But I, I'm not sold on the Chargers uh, on their over. If I'm going to make a big bet here, it's going to be the Chargers on the under. I'm just not sold because I think Denver has to be better because I don't think they can't Sean be. Payton's well, they can't be worse. And, and I don't. Sean Payton's not coming in to win four games. I promise. No, and, and even if they don't win, like even if Russ isn't the same Russ, and even if they they're not a Super Bowl team, they're going to be closer to a 500 team. Yes. Right? They're not going to be a four win team that's a doormat that can't even run a play and that is getting offensive penalties every time. Totally so, agree. Totally agree. A little quick snapshot of the AFC West with Koopa Loop. Chad Coop, you stay cool out there, my friend. I know it is hot as a mother out there for you. And we will talk with you next week. We'll be able to talk all about Great American Bash and we'll be previewing SummerSlam, I believe. Yeah, yeah. just two weeks from now. So Thanks so much, buddy. You have a great weekend, and we'll talk soon. All right, Gino. Have a good weekend, sir. Make sure to give Chad a follow at the Chad Cooper on Twitter and on Instagram. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more to come on That's What G Said. Yeah.